0: Access for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network so for all things media check out cageclub.me Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Exit for Podcast, the show where we take a look at comics, mutants, magic, and Marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can check me out on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Today we have another Marvel triple header for you, kicking things off with Wolverine number 15 before taking a look at Marvel Voices' identity and closing things out on Guardians of the Galaxy number 17, the next part of the last Annihilation event. Wolverine 15 is another amazing issue by the team of Percy and Kubert, who are evolving the the character while continuing to hold down the status quo of the character during the Krakoan era. This has been an interesting time for Wolverine in terms of his personal development. I mean, mutants can't hurt humans anymore, so for the most part Logan's fighting vampires. This issue sees the promise of a new villain, Solemn, finally coming due in an exciting way, and we hope you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. And if you guys like what you hear, don't forget you guys will probably like what you see, so check us out over on Twitter, Patreon, and YouTube at X's for Podcast, where we have exclusive content every day. Hey everybody, welcome back to XS for Podcast, the show where we take a look at comic books, mutants, magic, and marvels week after week through their many monthly titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Snicked!
1: Hey everyone, this is Dante. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at InfernoMagic. That is Magic with a K. SNIC. He
2: did it! The best day!
0: Sorry. Eric.
1: <laughs> and i am rod you can find me at rod comma
3: the on twitter and instagram that's r-o-d-c-o-m-m-a-t-h-e i did it
4: sneak 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 woo (laughs) it's
3: a snick party
4: and i'm arturo you can find me at mr toybox on twitter and instagram snacked
0: oh i love that because that's like i love that that's past tense oh my god snacked is the past tense of snicked
4: that's me sheathing my claws that's me (laughs) skewering
0: myself another coffee cake snacked We're here to talk about a very good man facing off against a very bad man. This issue, I don't even know what else to say. It feels like a Stefan sketch kind of sort of for me. This issue had everything. Because Wolverine number 15 gave us a slight peek behind the solemn curtain a little bit. I still feel like I didn't get everything I needed, but we'll get into all of that. Adam Kubert and Ben Percy give us an incredible view of not just Logan, but the new dichotomy that Logan is facing. I'll be honest, I probably have the least positive response to some of the Solemn stuff here, despite giving it like a really strong B+. So I want to start elsewhere. Guys, Solemn has been being hyped since Ten of Swords. Now that's, at this point, quite a long time ago. How do you guys feel about finally getting a little bit more of the monster that is Solemn?
1: I am here for it, and so excited. I'm really happy, first of all, that I get to do this issue, because we talked about Wolverine together last time. And last time I was like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for Solemn. Solemn give me solemn. And even though technically everything we get of solemn is flashback in this, I got more solemn. And so I was satiated. I was like, yes, like well not not even satiated. Like I got just enough of a taste that I was like, okay, now I'm ready to like really dig in and you know sink my teeth in.
0: So it's like when you're on a diet and you you can just have one cheese doodle and you just like leave it on your tongue for a little while.
1: Is um, cheese doodle? yeah, I mean, I have just been sniffing mints and absorbing moisture from the air. And like, finally, I'm getting getting something a little more satisfying. I would have to agree with Dante on that. I yeah, I've been a little coasting on this series so far,
3: because I mean, I like Wolverine, but I feel like not a lot has happened. But I did like this, you know, throwback to how Solemn, you know, got made or how he was brought up and everything. And my only disappointment was that we only hear about him being with men in subtext or like are like through text in general not to do the actual art or pictures We only see him with women, and I'm like I
4: know he's like Han or whatever so I want to see him actually with a man on on I, I agree with that I was a little turned off when they're showing Solemn like in a flashback where Blackmore is, is kind of like telling his tale of Solemn or whatever and you see him surrounded by all these beautiful women it's like mm, no Solomon would be throwing a Shinobi Shaw slash Trevor Fitzroy style party where you would have hot men and women all around so I agree beautiful non-binary people everywhere exactly 100 100 honestly i'm just thrilled that we're getting some more solemn and that it's being done in this way the these last two issues of wolverine might be my favorites of the arc. i you know i enjoyed seeing patch go to mad rapport and you know i i enjoyed the maverick of it all like that was really fun I'm on record as really not liking any of the vampire stuff so I'm always grateful if it's a Wolverine issue that doesn't have vampires I'm just happy but I love this this is like giving another Iraqi character some room to grow and breathe I love that we got the introduction of, of these Iraqi pirates just like another faction another another facet to to life on Arako or Ammon just yeah this was a banger for me
0: and my only real complaint is that I was told how cool Solemn is, I didn't really see it. I heard it from this one guy's perspective, which can be very informing, but ultimately, the narrator telling me who Solemn is, isn't somebody whose perspective on the situation I genuinely trust. I don't know that this guy isn't trapping Wolverine for Solemn. I don't know that this guy isn't telling the tale. Solemn wants him to tell to Wolverine. So, I find myself perhaps a little bit like, I understand that it's a very subtle difference, but there is a difference between third-person omniscient narration and a person narrating a story. And for me, that difference was the difference in success and failure on the understanding of Solemn. Who I got is a Garth Ennis character ripped right the fuck out of Preacher. And if you know a lot about me and my personal sexual proclivities, I dig Solemn, right? But there is something a little bit, I would have rather seen some of it instead of just be told. But that's maybe me splitting hairs a little bit. What I do want to know is how do you guys feel about Solemn's origin being so well matched to Wolverine's? He was a young boy put into an extreme situation that forced him to have to evolve very quickly. He quickly became powerful with a blade much like Wolverine's claws. He clawed his way into a hellscape, just as Wolverine did, and eventually became a soldier in a great war. He was locked away for a time as Logan lost his memory. This guy was literally locked up, and only became reactivated when the situation was worth his effort. I think they're not only creating us a really interesting foil for Wolverine, it's sort of more of that, okay, you know what, we don't have Sabretooth, so we have this guy. You don't need Sabretooth, look how well he foils Wolverine. How do you guys feel about the inherent dichotomy of these characters and that kind of parallel path they went on?
3: He's kind of like a swavier, you know, sexier. Not that Sabretooth isn't sexy in some parts, especially if you're like into furries. <laughs> but, Look, yeah, but There's
0: like different kinds of sexy. There's like sleek, cutting, smooth mm. edge sexy. And then there's like can pound the wall to death sexy. And they're very different sexy.
3: They are. I would like Solemn with a beard. I want to see that. But I'm into yeah. it. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think Solemn is a good parallel for Wolverine because it is almost like the exact same story, except maybe harsher. I know Wolverine's had a really harsh story his whole life as well but he didn't grow up in a war world his whole life you know he just has war flashbacks and ptsd but he's had some breaks and some fun times too solemn has not <laughs> he's always had to steal and, and like he's had pleasure moments but he's also had to be on alert and then be in prison for doing that for doing selfish things so i think this is Solomon's time where in this story he's actually having a break and going to las vegas and being like oh i'm gonna do this and do that and kind of like an evil wolverine he's like just doing whatever the fuck he wants because he can because who going to be able to actually kill him
4: i think we're finally delivering the goods of the promise of a new you know arch enemy for wolverine because when he was built that way i didn't buy it right away i was like you can't just do that you can't just chuck Sabretooth in in the can or in the hole and pretend like he doesn't exist anymore and and that opens up a an opportunity for a new nemesis who is not you know lady Deathstrike or any number of other established characters so i I was very wary of solemn i i didn't believe what was on the tin and a I, I, i'm into it a bisexual king, adamantium skin you know whatever like i'm i love that he is an equal but total opposite of wolverine i very much so dig that and i just i want to see where where this all goes
1: i'm still trying to wrap my head around your question and really really kind of like see those parallels between them and they I, I think they definitely exist but i it wasn't as apparent to me i feel like for for some reason something was solemn when I read his backstory, the only thing I could really think of was like how differently his life could have been if that you know one thing changed at the beginning because it looked like you know his family was killed and then you know from there Blackmore you know captured him took him in tried to kill him you know wasn't successful all you know all of that stuff from because of one person one person has been the one fucking up his life and there, there's a part of me that just like I I wonder all, all I can keep thinking is like what if with solemn what what would have solemn been if not for that that moment in his life so and i don't i don't necessarily have that question with wolverine with wolverine it always feels like a series of of like different government agents you know messing with him or influencing his life or you know any number of thing losing his memories all you know all of that it, it doesn't feel quite as, as similar i guess
0: Okay, now I really, you know, uh, uh, uh. here's what I love, right? That I, I, I had to make getting close noises because, you know, you said something that I, it's fuck me because you really helped me see why my point felt valid to me and raised new points I'd never considered. And the best way to get somebody to agree with you is to tell them they're right and then pivot. And I feel like you magically did that in my brain. Great job. Because the thing that you encapsulated so well is... I my whole thing is I don't know how much of this Solemn tale I inherently believe at face value because of the person it's coming from and then you in one sentence painted that guy as having the most reason to lie and the reason that's significant is because maybe Solemn didn't steal his wife maybe this dude ignored his wife in the name of a million other things and Solemn is a brilliant opportunist because you know what if every time you make a villain vaguely like it does really come down to when you make a villain queer and you don't use it in a developmental way you're saying there is something inherently sketchy about queerness and you just really need to watch that it's not that bisexuals can't be trusted it's that they like multiple people I'm not pansexual because I'm tricky you know what I mean? But the thing about it here that really, you know, I also do kind of think if Wolverine hadn't been fucked over by the events of that night with Dog Logan and everything, I think there would have been a lot to explore there, right? Solemn really does kind of read like he could be a Tony Stark type, like charming, has it all. Think about who this guy could be as a good guy. Wow. I, You know, that is a really tempting idea because as a bad guy, he has so much to offer. I do want to know what is beyond the, you know, thin veneers of evil
3: honestly i would like I'm, him as a good guy because i mean i f- i feel like he's like yeah he could be wolverine's villain animantium skin wolverine you know has any animantium skeleton that's a parallel blah blah, blah. but i feel like he would be so fun on Krokoa and being part of a team and have that juxtaposition he's kind of like phantom x in that kind of way you know he started like off
0: a Dawkins of, meets phantom x yeah yeah
3: exactly like he you know he started off kind of sketchy and he's still sketchy but he learned to like be a part of the group in a sense you know he's not like killing everybody or experimenting on everybody like Mr. Sinister he's like trying to help in his own little way but still doing his own thing and I feel like that could happen for Solomon. hopefully at some point
4: I love that we're in the Krakoan era where your enemies are your friends now and you know uneasy alliances so it's very easy for me to to get to that place where it's like yes let's bring him on board and make him kind of a slippery character to deal with but we're dealing with Sinister we're fine we we, we got this we're dealing with Shadow King like slippery characters are part of the gig now, but I don't want to rush there. I kind of like this idea of him and Wolverine playing chess.
0: I love that, especially, you know, Dante, I'm going to I'm gonna ask you your own sentence back, I guess. But, you know, before this all started, we were in the green room, and we were having a, a quick little chat, right? We were talking about how much a number of us enjoy a number of things about Jason Aaron's Avengers. Jason Aaron's Avengers, which is, you know, besting 50-something issues, and things just keep building more and more. And how rare it is that an artist of any kind gets the opportunity to Wolfman Perez or to Lee Kirby something anymore. And I do agree, you know, Arturo, that's such a beautiful idea that it could evolve there over time. But I think I have a fear that Percy isn't, Percy might not have a hundred issues of Wolverine to get me there. So it makes me wonder, you know, I'm going to start with you, Dante, but then please spread it to everybody. Do you guys, you know, inherently see the longevity that Percy would need to execute that sort of idea that Arturo proposes, like a long play out, which I think sounds beautiful.
1: I would wish for it, but no, I don't necessarily think that that's realistic, honestly. <laughs> I don't know why it is, but with when it comes to X-Men books, any X title, like, it's hard to believe in longevity because we're talking about a title or a book that's part of, of a of a bigger grouping. Whereas something like Avengers, even though Avengers still does tie into many other books, it's still pretty much its own thing. So it can be its own thing for a long period of time. I don't see that, that Percy might have that much time to I mean even if he has long term ideas and plans with Solemn, what he would like to do, where he wants the character to go, maybe he want to play on uh the potential of him not quite being an outright villain, but there's probably not enough time to do that. And so we're going to get probably as much bang for our buck with Solomon and Percy now as opposed to long term
3: honestly I feel like we could probably get that and maybe in more of a rush sense unfortunately in about five issues get the little Solomon arc of them playing chess with each other you know them figuring out each other and then just having a moment because we haven't really you know I mean in this Krakoa era it's all about you know connectionals correct and you know the Arakowa mutants and the Krakoa mutants coming together more and trying to figure out how that system works for them how a more peaceful in a sense species goes with another one that's been all about war and all about you know stealing and screwing over each other like how do they come together and kind of form a bond like a friendship or at least you know like an okay ship (laughs) where they're not just attacking each other and being peaceful on earth or on planet mars like i feel like that's what we're gonna get probably with wolverine and, and and solemn in a sense and we might get that in about five or so issues because again this whole series or everything is probably going to get revamped or maybe taken away at least for Wolverine next year so we only probably have like a few more issues of Wolverine before it ends anyway at least that's my
4: take (laughs) I mean who knows though like it do we need an ongoing Wolverine book? I, you know, I'm on record as saying absolutely not, but do they sell? Is he a popular character? Do, do I think that we're going to lose Wolverine anytime soon? I really don't. I, cause Marvel knows it's a, a safe bet. So in, you know, it, it's a grave injustice that we live in a world where X factor got canceled after 10 issues and Wolverine marches on, but you know, them's the breaks. I, I don't, I don't really see an end in sight, but I am happy to see Percy, doing something that is still X Force adjacent, but is its own thing. I'm a fan of Wolverine, so I I'm into him, like sleuthing and kind of yes, he's he's got a team and he's got a family and all of that nowadays. But he's still Logan. He's still a bit of a loner, and you know he's got unfinished business all over the place. So and
0: you know I really like what you're pointing out, both of you, because I hadn't even remembered that the books are supposed to like reset around a weekly event starting early next year. And you know, great job Hickman for on his way out the door, really making sure to sing the praises of everybody over in the ex office and it makes me question a couple of things you know even if wolverine restarts right even if wolverine gets a new number one it could very well still be percy like it really could I also think that, and I know I've said it way too many times, but I don't believe we are living in the era of the solo book anymore. I barely think we're living in the era of the team book. I think we're living in the era of multi-thing books. I think every book needs to have more than one thing going on in it to really stay alive. And if instead of buying one $3.99 Wolverine book a month, I would much, much more rather buy a $1 $5 Wolverine book or four ninety dollars Wolverine book a month and read a 16-page Wolverine story and a six page back about somebody in the Wolverine family, I think we've all said that the most interesting things Wolverine does is add to other people's story, which is I think maybe even why we all loved this issue so much. Instead of being an issue where they had to find a reason that Wolverine was still compelling as Wolverine, we got an issue of Wolverine as compelling in someone else's story. This is the Wolverine part of Solemn's narrative, not so much a Wolverine tale. I think by taking the emphasis off of of Logan's personal development, we were kind of able to go on a journey with him and. I do need to point out that, as always, Adam Kubert is, you know, beyond brilliant. It really is a defining characteristic of his ability that his storytelling is incredible. The only thing I didn't love about this issue was I felt like that Kubert little brick, little window style was kind of missing in favor of a bit more of a storybook telling style, but, you know, it gave us pages like digital page number 12, which Wolverine's arms there are literally why I go to the gym. So, like, it's just so beautiful. Did the art resonate with with anybody else? And did anybody else notice that change in Kubert's style from his traditional small windows to this bigger picture version?
3: So, I didn't notice the change. I, I just don't notice those things unless I really read the art back to back. But it is cool to know that he changed for this. And I'm mixing curious to want to go back and read some of his old stuff that I may have missed and see his old or past style. But I did love how Logan looked in this in this issue. Like, he looked Logan so hot. He
4: looked so <laughs> damn hot. Logan is such a daddy. And I do want to say one change that i noticed that was kind of a throwback was sage. Sage looked so much more like extreme x-men sage than x-force sage. It's a subtle difference, but i was really into it. Yeah,
3: and i would say on the digital page number 19 in the issue when he's like sneaking back his claws and he's just like full body and you just see the muscles rippling in the in the hair and then the tussled ha- uh hair on his head. I'm just like, "Oh, just this uh mm, oh, the short kingness. I love it. I just want to grab him." <laughs> I think
0: you feel like he's looking like a snacked.
3: <laughs> he is looking like a snacked.
4: <laughs> Correction. Sage was actually in issue 14, not 15. I'm looking at it right now, but I read these two back to back together, which was very pleasant. I, I really, you know, it feels like one unified story in my head, which I enjoy.
0: Dante, how did you feel about the, you know, the cubertism? The, Q- the, the, you know, this guy is not just a legend, but he is a legend of legacy. We're talking about dynastic interpretations and influence on the Marvel in DC universes, not to mention they have their own art school. I mean, like literally the Joe Kubert art school. It's not just that the Kuberts are legends. They are legends that continue to directly influence the next generation. Now that I've built this up so much that it would sound weird if you didn't love the art. How did you feel about the art, Dante? It sucked. (laughs) I love you.
1: (laughs) It's wonderful. It's lovely. I think, I mean, I think we talked about this for the last issue too. Like there's something... Like if I was just looking at the art in this issue without any of the lettering, although I I love our letterers, so I'm not I'm not <laughs> lobbying for that. But I it tells such an amazing story. And I wouldn't say that I noticed a big difference like you did, but I still see like this beautiful storytelling that varies from page to page, even still. Very subtly sometimes, but it's I mean, it's not just the same blocking every time as well. And we have these beautiful lines. I think Rod, you mentioned page nineteen in the digital and and the way that we go from Blackmore 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 to Logan like it's such a beautiful line that it draws like i i i don't know why i love it so much but it's just something about it so visually beautiful you know ugly 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 and then you know the, the this absolutely hairy gorgeous man so <sighs> It's. I think it's just visually still very appealing and stunning. And I think it, it does its job in, as a storytelling device.
0: If I may, there's actually a really great reason. I'm so glad you called out that page in particular. One of the things that comic book pages are designed to do is they're designed to vaguely be read in an S shape. Even though we start at the upper left hand of the page, we need something that expresses how to go down and around and across the page. So by starting in the upper left corner of the page with a dagger pointing us directly on. We see the dagger first, which brings us to the text beneath it. The text beneath it follows the line of the dagger into the next bubbles. The next bubbles, which continue to have the main figure of Blackmore rise before transitioning to Wolverine. Blackmore was shown in part and hidden by the confines of the panels, whereas Logan is now over the panels. So whereas the Border Bleed is cutting off the character and the initials, we then see Logan, the full realization of this growing image of the transition of the letters going around the page. And ultimately, one of the things that happens is as the knife moves to the bottom of the page and continues to work its way up, it pushes the center of gravity for the character up until it reaches Logan. So essentially, this is a funnel leading you from the left to the right and then back down through the page. It's like if you were... Te- I mean, literally, it makes sense because it's a cuber, but if you were teaching a master class on how to design a motherfucking page of a comic book starring two people, this is that page! So, like, it's such a beautiful way to point it out i really love that that page grabbed you for that reason because of the s design
4: well and i just want to say like Hubert also has almost like like an instinctive you know skill of his artwork and his pages and his panels come to life beautifully when you're reading it in the digital reader that goes like panel for, panel to panel like Wolverine you know the 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 pages that that you called out Nico where like Wolverine is kind of like drinking at the table and then he puts his arm up and then you know in the in the fourth panel his claws snicked out like it just plays beautifully one shout out I want to give because you know I'm a big fan of random cool design characters in the background this is on page 14 digitally where wolverine is hacking and slashing his way through a band of of you know iraqi pirates there that after miller this, page
0: it's so good
4: there is a little parrot that has a sword a hook for an arm a belt a bandolier i want to know everything about this parrot pirate it's like my favorite little random character of the whole issue
0: I literally can't imagine that I didn't notice that before. Right. Oh no now. No, no
4: no! You need to go to this right now. Oh, I'm Reader's looking like... at it. I am. I am
0: staring at it. I am. I. I my life has literally changed.
4: Everything yes. about this character, like just banger, banger I had... little design. It's amazing like I actually I, I was gonna bring that up later. I
3: love that character and I love it makes me want to see more, you know, Iraqi mutants. Like I want a book centered around them because if they we have so many like niche little mutants like that, like a pirate parrot with a hook and a sword and everything, like what else can we get?
4: You know, right okay. like and how soon I, can we get this bird to join the Marauders? And no, I, I am
0: Get he is now my gay love ship with with Lockheed. They are now gay boyfriends. Well, we don't it's know. Him. His Lockheed.
4: His, his, her, they, we're not oh, sure. Oh, but we oh well, Either
0: whatever way. they are, they're gay together. Yes. I don't care if if they're opposite <laughs> genders. What they have together is gay.
4: I and it like is like they would have this, like, they would have this, like, grudging respect. Like, Lockheed would be like, excuse me, I'm the one that's allowed to drive this boat. And the parrot would just be like, whatever, I got a hook for a hand. Shut up. My right.
0: headcanon also involves Dante's cat joining their team and becoming, like, Charlie's Angels. So this is everything to me right now.
4: I, I join you and I am hungry for an Iraqi book, but I do want to say, rather than having like a cohesive Iraqi team or, or whatever, like yes, I would love that. I, I do want that. Like, I, you know, I, there's no there's no qualifiers to that. Yes, give me that. But I love seeing different facets of Iraqi. I like I like that we're not treating the Iraqi as one big homogenous group. I like that Cora is you know murking over there with sword. And she's down to like roll with the X-Men and these Krakoan mutants. I love that we now have Iraqi pirates, like oh, this is like a whole other subsection. Like I yeah, I want more and more and more of that. I want more characters, I want more factions, I want more color.
3: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But like, yeah, I, I, I definitely love that they're spread out and I'm glad that they're they're using them and not just being like, Oh yeah, that exists and it's in the corner now, and we'll get to that eventually. They're like, No, we're putting some in Wolverine, we're putting some in Sword, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's amazing what I what I also want which I hope that we get in the new year is you know how when we first started with the main X-Men title we got like little story pellets of of, uh, Krakoa like what they were doing you know invasion was happening blah blah blah, like little stories I hope I want to get that maybe like at least 10 issues of just like different random groups on like planet Mars just see them interacting like see how they're you know taking to the new planet see what different groups that they can make and like that exists and like what they are doing see how they interact with storm and all of that like i just i want to get more in-depth vision of them that way once we get that and get more characters established we can even have them more, get more exploring on other teams and other stories and all of that
4: like that would be amazing to see oh yeah no like i i need like a planet Rocco book even like give me a mini give me a one-shot 64 pager like Yes, I'm right there with you. Like, okay, we've terraformed Mars. We have identified like certain areas, Mount Olympus and Hellas, whatever. I want to know more. I want to see like a day in the life of a Rocco. I, yes. And just
0: it. take the chance, 13 pages, digital exclusive, 10 weeks, one a week. That's a trade, that's two trade paperbacks, one hardcover. You can do 13 pages, take a chance on less big names and then partner them with somebody medium-sized. Size. How many of us are buying these books digitally anyway that it should no longer be a preclusive element that there is not a physical version day of? I'm not trying to kill the comic shop. I'm really not. But at the same time, if we stay beholden to a specific modus of delivery, we risk putting the medium at risk. And I just don't know why Marvel isn't willing to take a chance on something like the book you guys just pitched digitally. You know, it's just of note to me that all of us have cell phones, but so few of us live next door to a comic shop. That is really one of the things that defines the situation.
4: Especially when when you're buying digitally, it is the same as the cover price. It's not even like, Oh, well, we could make five bucks off this at the comic shop, but we're only making two bucks off it digitally. No, they're charging like the full price. So I don't get- They're making get... more digitally. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's exactly, less expense. Or the expenses are already, you know, accounted for. So all the digital sales are like gravy. I think there are labyrinthian reasons and contractual things and it's all tied to money and- not not so much to logic and ease and comfort of the consumer.
0: Designed for consumerism, not the
3: consumer. Given the solo titles that we had, you know, with Wolverine and Cable, like, have those exclusively be digital, because you know Wolverine's gonna sell, and just not to have it, like, overstock the comic book shops, have it digital, because you know people are gonna read Wolverine, but not everyone, I mean, and not everyone even is. So, people that aren't, they won't, like, be obligated to buy it and try to support their comic shops just to buy it. They can just get it digitally when they want, you know, just like Cable. Well,
0: and th- that is, like, actually a long standing thing that I have said I feel that it is unfair for, and this is such a tangent but I feel it's so unfair for anybody to feel like they are beholden to the idea of keeping an entire industry afloat and that's something that was born of uh, 1970s you must buy this book or it will be cancelled tactics letters pages became ransom notes sent directly to fans hands every single month because it was if you don't buy this and if you don't buy two and three and if you don't tell everyone to you're the reason it's being cancelled now the truth of the matter is, at the point at which they were saying that Peter David's X Factor, the you know, the Jamie Madrox Investigations one, when they were like, "Up oh, this book, you guys gotta keep buying it, keep it going. I mean, Peter David very publicly had a two-book-a-month contract. Where the fuck was that book going? Where was that book gonna go? Well, look, so- and,
4: like, the spell, like, the illusion has completely shattered for me. It's funny you bring up Peter David's X Factor, because I'm, again, gonna bring up Leah's. Like, I no longer buy that myth. Like, I know sales are important. I'm sure it's a part of, you know these big decisions but like that my 399 is going to save a title that me coming on the internet and talking for hours a week about that title and tweeting about it and doing all of this free promotional work for marvel is going to have any impact on like the actual outcome Mm. my my faith is shaken not stirred and you know fool me once you'll probably keep trying to fool me but and i'll keep buying but i'm no sucker like now i i expect everything to end like
0: it works for your indies it doesn't work for these
4: books the nihilism that X Factors cancellation has instilled in me, like the the end is nigh of it all and now
0: Way of X is.
4: Well, but Way of X, I always suspected as a mini. I would love to see Way of X continue, but Way of X never felt like a team book as much as a topic book. Like we're gonna get these different characters to So It was more of an or, exploration for it's you. It's a it's an exploration, it's a story, okay, it's like like that, that didn't feel like a team, whereas X-Men, X Force, X X Factor, Excalibur, New Mutants. Those are like ten whole teams and now you add to that marauders and hellions those are teams i don't want to see them you know stop it comes to a team book like i want to see a hundred issue runs cable reloaded one shot yeah give it to me give me like a exterminators team on a mission it's a bottle episode so to speak like i can deal with minis and one shots all day long just don't create a team and a premise and then cut that short and god i am still i i just need to talk to my therapist about x cancellation because. I'm just dealing with it here on the airwaves with all you guys. <laughs> well, I definitely get where you're coming from
3: with the buying and everything. I think it matters, but it doesn't matter towards every book because of, you know, marketing and everything. So that is. It's an
0: influencer, not a definer.
3: Yeah. So I loved Way of X, actually. And I, and I, the reason I loved it is not really because, I mean, the story was great. And I, I had a few, like with every story, a few, like, negatives for it, but overall positives. But what I loved about it is that it wasn't a team book, you know, it was uh, more of a way of thinking and I'm sad that it's over, I hope we get another book like that. That's what I want. I don't want just team books. I want a
4: book looking at Krakoa and seeing how people are living there and more stories about that. I want a book called X, X on the Beach. Somebody else came up with that clever title. I can't take credit for it and I can't even credit them because I'm not sure who it was. But X on the Beach. Give me like a day of Krakoa. Give me fun. Give me a baseball game. Give me, you know, soft serve. Doing her, using her power to spread, you know, happiness through ice cream. Like I need X on the Beach.
0: Well, I have two things to say to that. Number one, my, the title I want is I want another Krakoan business book but I want it to be all women and drag queens, and I want it to be called (laughs) Cosmetics, and it ends in a big X, and it's about a bunch of really badass like big, beautiful women and drag queens making makeup for all skin tones and kicking ass! That's number one. Number two, Dante, you said to me, hey Nico, I'd love to join for Wolverine, and I was like, oh, we'd love to have you, and you were like, great, I can't wait to come on and talk about Wolverine, and um, I'm sorry, but you evidently have to answer this question Instead, you know, your opinion on the, the great comic debate and what that means for a book like Wolverine, which is only as in danger of getting canceled as it ever is getting relaunched.
1: You guys have given me a lot to think about. I, honestly... <laughs> <laughs> no, Specifically this...
0: the X-Men drag queens.
1: Yes. I want to go to the Green Lagoon and order an X on the beach now. So much of what has been said, it's like, yeah, d- do my do my purchases, my decisions have any bearing? Especially when uh, nowadays, you know, they solicit months in advance and a lot of sales are actually determined by the pre-orders by the shops, right? So it's like, r- really, does it even make a difference what we're doing unless we have a subscription with our comic book shop, you know, and, and pledging to like, yeah, I put me down for this title, you know, because not not everybody does that not, not everybody i mean not every shop provides that option it's so hard to say like how much sales really has to do with anything and and if if sales are going to be such a determining factor like give me some of these minis put them out as mini and do it digitally just like you're saying like maybe maybe way of x which i really have enjoyed as well but maybe it could have just worked as a as a digital mini and then that would have been fine and you know maybe that's what we that's what we need to you know start moving into Gosh, i i don't remember specifically but i feel like Hickman either posted about or said something to the to the fact that like when the pandemic happened, he had this this grandiose idea of like, OK, what do we do? How do we evolve comics, especially with the X line, like to to adapt? And I feel like a lot of that, what what he may have had in mind if, if it was stated is that like, you know, certain things could be digital. We could have 13 page stories or shorter uh, weekly series, you know, like it, there, there's so much more you can do when you don't have the 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 constraints of like printing, right? Like. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that should be explored more. Was was there a a, a Jessica Jones story that relatively recently that was only digital?
3: Yes. Yeah. There was, it was and, a two part actually, and it was only digital. They really And a couple the, of.
0: I'm so sorry, but I don't mean to keep cutting <laughs> you. off. I'm just so excited about the answer. Please, you finish your thing.
3: I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, we were we were both just answering it, but yes, it was a. We're just so
0: fucking excited.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I loved that story. The two it was two parts, and it, the first part, you know. Had like Elsa Bloodstone in it and everything. Second part had Emma Stone in. I mean Emma Frost. Stone. Emma nope, Frost. Nope, no, nope, going back. <laughs> no, nope, I want
0: Emma Stone to join the Marvel Universe. Hellfire Gala is the crossover point. Found it.
3: Oh my God. Uh, well, I mean, bad. would she? I mean, I don't think Emma Stone's personality wouldn't be Hellfire Gala. I mean, I guess so. She was a celebrity, but like that's her personality. Yeah. I don't think is like glamorous. And like, and that's not a dig on her. It's just no. She's just a very just, real lady. She's real. Like everyone's. Yeah, everyone's a real person.
1: But yeah, she's a real down to earth or whatever.
0: No everyone is yes. not a real person i appreciate <laughs> you trying to be very kind to other human beings but no
1: everyone is know. not a real person like Absol-
0: yeah. fucking absolutely not
3: but yes i do believe that more stories should be digital i do hate that the the first spearhead that they did was basically not not jessica jones was the first one but kind of the big first one where it was two big part one and part two stories and not a lot of people didn't even know about it like i bring it up and people are like wait that was a thing and i'm like yeah go read it it's great and i feel like it was ahead of its time if it was like put out now which it still technically could be um, because it was just such a broad story and it was kind of just her in it with a few cameos then it could still work but it was released so quickly and I think that goes to your point Dante it was released so quickly because it was digital and it was easier to enjoy so quickly because it was digital and like I don't want to you know undo comic shops I mean I, I literally volunteer at a comic shop every week I don't want them to go away but I do appreciate the digital art form and I feel like some books just need to be digital Not everything needs to be physical.
1: Yeah, and you know, going digital doesn't necessarily mean we take away with what we have. It could be additive. It could be in addition to. It's, I mean, that's that's the thing is like a lot of people see it as like one or the other. It's like no, we can have a blend. We can we can mix it up. You know, give us like these smaller random stories. You know, I think Nico laid it out the best. Like, give it to people who they're not big names, but like give them a chance, and then pair them with somebody who has a little bit more recognition, so they can start bringing an audience. Get it out there. You know really publicize it and let people get into it and I think I think a lot of people will.
0: And you know Daredevil actually has a long standing history with sort of digital exclusives before the Kevin Smith run. In 1998 there was a web comics exclusive Daredevil number 0. Years later the Mark Wade run would reset in 2014 with the four part digital exclusive Daredevil Road Warrior which would eventually be collected as Daredevil volume 4. One Road War. Eventually, the famous ever-evolving saga of Daredevil versus Punisher, which had had six or seven uh, unique storylines, including a couple of miniseries, would move its way onto the internet in Daredevil Punisher Seventh Circle, which is now going to be collected in the Charles Sewell Daredevil Omnibus. So there really is, not just a, a possibility, but a sort of long-standing tradition for some characters getting a little bit more digital love. You know, Arturo, you're somebody who loves toys, Right? Like, there is definitely a tangible physicality to your nerder, but you're still able to express that you're comfortable with digital exclusives. Is there anything you feel would be lost by that transition? Or, you know, does the pulp of it not really matter to the story anymore?
4: I never want to go fully digital i think comic shops i think the the experience the long boxes like all of that is such a part of it that i i don't want to break away from that completely i've started embracing digital out of necessity you pointed it out like we all have phones we're not all you know next door to a comic shop mine is probably like about a 20 minute drive just far enough in miami traffic that it is you know uh a bitch to get to right like it's you know just to, to put it shortly i'm also on this podcast so i have like a you know an obligation to to read certain issues on a weekly basis so sometimes for me digital is just like the easy the only solution choice. yeah yeah it just makes sense you know but even before i started buying stuff digitally first I was always a big fan of, you know, the free little comic code in the back because I enjoyed rereading or sometimes reading like during my commute to work, which no longer exists because I've been working from home for 18 months. But I love that like that you buy it physically and you get the bonus digital like that totally works for me because, again, I'm on a podcast now I can take screenshots of stuff I can reread stuff I've got it in the palm of my hand I can, you know, take it around with me without jacking up my my floppy version i'm a big advocate of the hybrid model I, I want things in both forms all of that said i still think yeah there's definitely an opportunity for storytelling where they cannot justify you know the expense because we don't know if people are going to go out and buy this physically well okay you guys can still make plenty of coin from digital you know exclusives yeah why why the hell not and
0: hardcovers.
4: i need to mention that i live three blocks away from my comic book shop <laughs> So I can
1: well, listen to Mr. This. West
0: Coast, best coast, living a life of sunshine and luxury. I, um, I can walk to my comic shop.
1: Oh, I'm, li- oh. I'm living I'm my best kidding. life. Hair flip, hair <laughs> flip, best life ever. No.
4: I worked I at my comic for shop for
0: like years. So like, I get it. I'm, I, I get
5: it
4: well i just recently learned my comic shop is open till midnight on fridays what
1: that's incredibly sexy
4: actually i i just went there for my first midnight run and it was really cool and as you can imagine there's a you know a cast of characters that are at a comic shop at you know close to midnight on a friday night so i don't want to commit to that every friday night god help me but hey once in a while that's uh that might be my time to go because guess what miami traffic is not that bad close to midnight but i'm sorry dante you were bragging about living a stones throw from your SES.
1: <laughs> yes that was all i wanted to do is brag no what i wanted to say and i i've also worked at a comic book shop
4: Polish
0: queen over here
1: many many years ago but my experience and my uh, what i see with my current shop and maybe you guys can weigh on this as well but like comic book shops don't really exist as only comic book shops anymore anyway at most all. of them They're have community to, centers they have to diversify the product right. and for the people and yeah. so honestly like i don't even think that comics might be the main selling point of a comic book shop so i don't think that it's going to hurt them because my shop does board games and you know dice and they host you know uh, what's the card game magic the gathering magic. tournaments and you know i see i see statues i see uh t-shirts all kinds of yeah. stuff right like yeah. there is a variety and and when i when i look at the comic book the uh, number of back issues that they still have from the previous week is just astronomical like there's just So many. And it's like, oh, so you're really not even like pushing all of these books anyway. So I don't, I just don't think that transitioning or doing more digital, I don't think it's going to hurt the industry because the industry has already been moving in a new direction. And and I think you're right, Nico. I think there's still like hardcovers and paperback. Like people will wait to pick up a trade anyway, so that a great place to get a trade is still going to be your comic book shop. That's literally
0: why we have a new segment called Trade Waiting, where we actually say, you know what, (laughs) we didn't want to pick this up every month, but look now. Because, no, like, uh, the so Rod, I can't stop talking about it. It's literally one of the best buys I've made in the last year. But the Shang-Chi book that's coming mm. out, they just released the trade on Comixology. The five-issue trade was $2.54 this wow! Yeah,
3: I'm still mad. I mean, I'm happy for him, but I'm but I yeah, how the fuck good. can <laughs> I beat that? I
0: read that on Marvel Unlimited, but I wanted to pay some money into it. I wanted them to see my, my dollars. I know it wasn't going to change that Shang-Chi is coming out now, but you know, have them see that the movie did have a positive effect on. On somebody's, on somebody's spending account you know what I mean mm-hmm. So like you know I it I, That's what got me to buy the book instead of just Rereading it on Marvel Unlimited it was less than The cost of a single new issue Psh, Of course I'm going to drop that that in an instant That's not coin that's hard to part with That's easy
3: yeah and I would agree honestly I mean I feel like it depends on the comic Shop if they're only comics but they also Have like you know the toys and everything but Smaller comic book shops still do depend on Like you know buying the, the physical Single issues especially the trades I feel like the trades are the biggest thing but but my my one thing with digital would be the big two, DC and Marvel, could go more digital. Like, because everyone's still going to buy like at least the single issues of like the independent ones, you know, like the ones from Valiant, Image, you know, Boom, and all of that. You're still going to probably buy your single creator-owned comics there, or just wait for the trade there. But DC and Marvel have so many books, and so many books of the same character, like the AU series, or just going back in in, in time and doing like a five issue arc, like that. doesn't need to be physical all those spider-man trade waiting yeah all those batman and spider-man books do not need to be physical they can be digital there's no reason for that i and i feel like it would benefit the comic shops because then they would have less backstock like dante said i've seen i volunteer at a shop every week and i see so many backstock of marvel and dc because this is too much and people get their selective fave and then they move on but like with the independent books the creator owned those are like some those are like selling out or like you try to catch up with the and sometimes you do have to trade wait or maybe buy a digital because the first like five issues aren't there anymore because you waited too
4: long yep something is killing the children
0: Sex criminals. Oh my god, do you Sex know how long it took me yep. to get the fucking first print of the first issue?
4: Yep, home pilots. Like there's a lot of great stuff coming out from, from indie creators. And mm-hmm. and I agree with like that, you gotta kind of take that under a different consideration than than the big two.
1: Super random, but has anybody ever proposed the book X Criminal?
4: Listen, hey, I this is why I love X Twitter and like the, the <laughs> unimind that we share. I literally have tweeted at Chip Zdarsky, let Chip write X criminals you cowards.
6: Yes.
4: I don't know how long ago that was. It was definitely in the last like 12 months, but absolutely, yes. Love it, that. I mean, honestly, put Chip on any X-Men book. Anything. And, and oh, I'm anything. There. Anything. Like, I'm I'm not, specifically, anything I want matter. him in the X-Office, but yeah, X criminals I'm honestly cool.
3: surprised he's not on the X-Office again. I mean, I know he did the X-Men Fantastic Four, but the fact that he's not on a book book, like a think.
0: I think Daredevil weird. is keeping him kind of busy with his sub stack. He wants to keep getting that Eisner ah, award.
3: that's true.
4: Yeah, yeah, great, but look, Uncle Jerry's got his hands full with the new X-Men title. I would But it love... looks like Uncle Jerry's in
0: charge of things, where Uncle Jerry doesn't need to learn to play as nicely with other people right now. It looks like he's setting the tone, not following. It's a whole lot different playing into somebody else's plans.
4: That's fine, but like, I I would like to see his attention solely focused on X-Men and give marauders to chip that's that's my that's my take on who should write Marauders, marauders to
3: chip would be I mean not that Gary isn't that doing Chef amazingly but that would I mean chip would have a field day with that I I can't even his Emma his Bishop his pyro I oh my god I this Can I you want you imagine? It now.
4: like it would be <laughs> the funniest and greatest like
0: yeah. guys number one this is a Wolverine podcast yep number... <laughs> <laughs> number two we actually have another engagement so we're gonna have to wrap this this up before we head over to our live Twitter space, which you guys, because you know this is real time that I'm saying that. So if you guys hear that there's live Twitter spaces and you guys want to become part of the discussion, maybe you love what we said, maybe you hate what we said, no matter what, we want to hear what you guys think. So please use this as an opportunity to consider yourself advertised at about the Twitter spaces that we're running. But I actually do have to pivot us back to Wolverine for a minute. So Fireblood, coolest thing I've seen in a while. I noticed a bunch of people missing noses throughout the issue so i'm like is that solemn's like is that the mark of solemn's cucks he just cuts your nose off i kind of or... wanted wolverine
4: to be like oh man that's a bitch yeah i didn't have a nose for years It was <laughs> right and
0: like i hung out with electra so like you don't know from crazy swordsmen when you don't have a nose
4: wait and can we can we talk about the the data page that established all of the stuff that solemn's been up to while on earth because <laughs> How do you not stand like he's he's just living his best life,
0: and he's behind the Russians now like everything happening is so crazy so we need to do last takes on wolverine because we have a live speaking engagement to yell at each other at so let's do this rod final thoughts wolverine number 15 did you have a snickety good time or are you kind of snacked out
3: i like the acid blood you know what i kind of found him attractive i don't know what that says about me but like no in
0: like a bane kind him? of luchador yeah. kind of way yeah, oh, yeah there's yeah. some bane to it i could I, I could you know
3: i don't know what that yeah i don't i mm, i have to check out I'll, I'll go over that later there are but, all kinds like, of sexy all
1: sorts of holes. <laughs> all kinds of sexy it's all good
3: but my this is my favorite wolverine pie issue in a while so i i completely enjoyed it and i hope we get more solemn in him in not flashbacks just in person to person sword fighting or whatever the hell they're gonna maybe kiss that'd be fun
4: yeah i mean it took us you know 13 issues to get here but i i feel like we're in a really good place with wolverine i think i feel like percy's got a handle a firm handle on the character and is doing fun you know side missions that are that are still tied to krakoa and to x-force and to all of his other good work but are, are, are you know off on a different beat give me more solemn yeah give me more rocky pirates like i've I have not enjoyed Wolverine more than I have with these last two issues. This is great.
0: And Dante, the man who lives so close to a comic shop and (laughs) who, I'm just picking on you. I think that's awesome. I love that you're able to head out and support your LCS. Everybody should be supporting their LCS. as best they can, this. But Dante, as a guy who's now been on two consecutive Wolverines in a row, watching this story unfold, parting shots on Wolverine 15.
1: I think sometimes when it comes to stories like, I tend to have tunnel vision, and the more I go back and revisit and look at the Wolverine run as a whole, I do think it, it does pair well with the Krakoan era. Even when Wolverine is off doing his own things, I think that it's been infused with enough to tie it back. So I'm really enjoying that aspect. I am excited. This issue for me was the Snick, So good. And I am not ready for the SNACKed that's coming, but...
4: <laughs> the Snackdown, down?
1: The SNACKed down. <laughs> no, I've just... <laughs> you know, Ooh,
4: I, I feel like...
1: Nothing. I regret nothing either. I'm excited. I am They for me, Solemn has built up been built up and I'm finally getting those dividends and I'm excited to see where it goes because I feel like we haven't seen his motivations yet. And I wanna know what they are because the character like I I still don't feel like we know enough about the character to know why he's doing all of this and why he's fucking with Wolverine and you know, leading him on and I don't know, maybe it's a sexy cat and mouse and he's trying to, you know, entice him. I don't know. I'm I'm here for it. I'm excited. I wanna see what happens.
0: You know, i guess my last parting shot is i really want scott summers to show up and be like excuse me mr solemn and just like optic blast him in the head and be like i heard you're messing with my boyfriend and like i desperately need this now because that's the that's 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 the perfect
1: i need i need to find someone to commission this like i need to i need someone to draw this for me right (laughs) away
0: Hey, everybody, Nico here again. Now, in this next segment, Marvel Voices Identity, the Marvel team comes together to tell an incredible series of stories about AAPI representation. While our team does include diversity that is represented in this title, there is always room for more diversity at the table. So if you enjoyed the Marvel Voices Identity one-shot and felt represented by the pages within, reach out to us, let us know. We would love to have you on to talk more about this amazing issue. But until then, enjoy our coverage.
5: Hey, everybody, welcome to another segment of X for Podcast, where we're... cover weekly Marvel's Mutants and Magic. Today we are covering Marvel Voices Identity. I'm Nathan, you can find me online at Dazzler AOA on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Josh Wheel, you can
7: find me on Twitter
5: at Asleep at the Wheel,
7: W-E-I-L, and at AsleepTheWheel.com and for the next two years as the progressive Democrat running for U.S. Senate in the state of Florida, you can find me across social media at Wheel, the number four U.S. Senate, and at JoshWheel.org.
2: And uh, I'm Steve, and you can find me at Howdy HowdyDuda, that's H-O-W-D-Y-D UDA on Twitter. I don't have an
6: Instagram. <laughs> and I'm Jonah, and you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. That's P-E-A-K. And we hope you survive this experience, unlike that scarecrow that was able to put fear into people and make them into murderous, rampaging murderers, lost to some B-team. And B-team is in air quotes.
5: <laughs> I love air quotes on everything now. It's just like, whenever I see air quotes, I'm going to think of Galactus's mom. So like,
2: I'm going to be completely honest right now. The last story is the only one I didn't have time to So I was like, oh, no, I don't know what we're talking about at all right now. I was like, maybe I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> Marvel Voices
7: Identity brings together an amazing team of Asian-American and writers of Asian descent, including Jean Lund Yang, Marcus To, Sunny Ro Greg Pak, Kris Lee, Brian Reber, Christina Strain, Jason Liu, Sabir Perzada, Marshall Ahmed, Niraj Manon, Alyssa Wong, Wills Portacio, J. David Ramos, Jeremy Holt, Alti Fermancia, Irma Nivila, Ken Nimora, Maureen Gu, Lin Yoshi, and Sebastian Chang.
5: Thank you for that. What a collection of talent here. There are some big names and there are some up and coming names on this. So I'm excited to see all of these fantastic creators work together on this. So let's start. Like I I always like with these anthology series to go through what is your guys, what's your favorite story of this issue been so far? Me personally, I'll, I'll start. I love the Christina Strain one, the one thing featuring Jubilee. I loved getting more of that background into Jubilee, seeing a lot more of her cultural traditions when she was introduced, Claremont really didn't do much with her heritage as much obviously because he didn't know it as well but having Christina Strain come in and tell a really touching story really touching and poignant story she's already got that voice of Jubilee down from writing her in Generation X and I I loved the little nod to Jubilee and Chamber at the end I was like
7: oh my god yeah yeah." I was just so
5: happy that like someone remembered Chamber exists
7: like (laughs) Chamber who was you know pitched in the original Dawn of X lineups and then saw was it three or four issues of New Mutants where he was like the least consequential character in the book and has never been seen or heard from again. Just so happy that Chamber popped up. The Jubilee issue was nice. I thought it was kind of slight. I thought it had some good cultural nods, kind of really tying her into her roots and making her not just like, you know, a a California mall rat. I thought the sweetest and best parts were the glimpses of Kid Jubilee. You know, at pre-Uncanny 244 Jubilation. Especially things like you know her buying her ridiculous glasses and stuff and you know dad you know sneaking her money to go hang out at the mall like I thought were the, the sweetest touches
2: I liked all the stories I got to read this, this was a nice issue just a lot of fun I liked the just the thinking about who each person is at the core of their character and who they want to be and who they're perceived as really nice all around I like how each writer did a really different take on what that means I think my favorite is probably the Ms. Marvel issue but I'm just like a big old Ms. Marvel mm-hmm. fan I haven't been keeping up on the current series as much as I would have liked to, but when Ms. Marvel first debuted, those were some of my very favorite comics coming out. So
7: so for our listeners, ms Marvel doesn't have a current series at the moment, but it is getting relaunched next month. So it's been on a little break since Saladin Ahmed run ended. And it has a a new series coming out and launching. So if you're looking to jump on to Kamal, I know we're going to be covering it here at X's for podcasts. There is a new number one coming up which is always a great jumping on point.
2: Yeah, that's cool. I'll probably jump on with that as well. I just need to catch up on uh, Ahmed's run. I just really enjoyed reading that one. It was really bittersweet, which is always a kind of a, a thing I enjoy in a in a story, especially a story about identity, about not feeling like not feeling like you belong in a place that you feel like you should belong, you know, because it's 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 your ancestry, it's your heritage. It's you know it's it's kind of who you are especially for herself as a person in america but then you know back in back in the home of karachi just feeling out of place and visibly out of place that other people know and the food knows and i yeah i just really like that one it resonated really hard that was the great
7: thing about this issue tying it together like i didn't get why it was called identity at first like i think some of us had a little like we knew there was an asian american creators one coming up and then that it was called identity kind of seemed like vague or wishy-washy or like like they didn't want to say Asian or something in the title like like it seemed kind of weird but once you actually read it and get that thread oh um, yes for so many of these for so many of these characters being characters who have this heritage but aren't from you know like walking in two worlds and what that identity means I thought that the writers did a really great job of relating that and you know anyone who's you know kind of done that walk into worlds especially culturally you know the the line in the Silhouette one. The where are you no 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 where are you from from is is just the first thing you <laughs> so like as a Muslim convert I can tell you that things go one of two ways every time that I'm involved in Muslim and like going to mosques or new places or meeting new Muslim people. And oftentimes and sometimes many times they'll go both, which is they'll begin with like, no, 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 like you're not Muslim. Yes, like the, the convinced that like yes, I am Muslim, even though I'm not brown. And then like or the double back of like having to convinced that, yes, I am American. But no, 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 okay, so I now I believe you're Muslim, so where are you from? No, America. No, 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 no. Where are you from from? Where are you, you know, are you... <laughs> Are, are you, are you Khaliji? Are you Desi? Are you? No, no. Are you Bengali? No, no, no. I'm Riki. I'm Riki. Yes, yes. Where are you from from is I, I try not to even sometimes when culturally I'm wondering like, oh, like I can tell that's North African. And I want to ask like, is this person like Moroccan or Egyptian? Like I try so hard, like, okay, I want to know, but like, it's not worth it to put this person in the where are you from from conversation again. Like, I don't need to know that bad, like,
5: <laughs> because they probably get it all oh, the damn
6: time god time all the time all the time for me my two favorite issues i have a tie in there for two different reasons my first one for more like happy because it just made me really happy and it was just a very sweet one about tradition was the silver samurai hisaka one it was like the art was so very nostalgic it felt very like early anime very early manga comic that made me just really joyful and them talking about tradition and how you want to continue the traditions that you were taught because they mean something to you but you don't might not have the necessary resources so you adapt and you have to change a little and seeing silver samurai over a year be like no this is cool and the, it also was just so funny to think that silver samurai as a baby was still in the silver samurai costume <laughs> it was adorable. and also still to, like you know <laughs> had that still the delivery of every line that was
1: extremely
6: long. Yeah. <laughs> he just talked like this all the time. It was really adorable and it was a story that I think, I think that it, this is also true for every story here. While a lot of this is about the API experience for many people, I think a lot of what they've gone through resonates with kind of anybody and I really love that about each story that a lot of the stories while really heavily shine on these Asian and Pacific Islander traditions, it really felt like anybody could see themselves in these characters and I think that's a really Great sign of beautiful work. And then my second favorite one was the last one with Silk and Amadeus Cho because those are two of my favorite characters, and it's it it felt very much like a vent piece of like these are so many common things that I've heard people say to my Asian peers and friends, and it's just like oh my god, it's oh oh it made me so happy that they just beat up a scarecrow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that
7: was a nice uh, cross universe thing because that was Scarecrow from Batman comics, right? No.
5: there was DC crossover that was amazing. I yeah. <laughs> wasn't
2: expecting that.
6: Doesn't the DC Scarecrow make people like fear things, and this one makes them mad? So maybe they're like cousins. Uh, yeah,
2: I've always thought that the Marvel Scarecrow <laughs> <laughs> is like ide- identical to the DC Scarecrow, except for like not a credible threat to anybody. So that's the Wade Wilson. Wade Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. this this he's called the Scarecrow, right? He looks like the Scarecrow. <laughs> I love Jonah brought
7: up the armor silver samurai one, so that was one that I did not want to read. I saw the art and it was immediate turn off, and then I was like, "Fuck, it's on Krakoa. I got to read it." And it was absolutely my favorite story of the issue, and I love that. I think that that was the best silver samurai story we've ever gotten. Yes, and I Couldn't love be. that the best silver samurai story ever written has them like written like their chibis and colored with Crayola crayons.
2: <laughs> I thought th- I thought that was a very emotional one. I really enjoyed. Yeah. It armor, I really enjoyed armor putting him in his place. (laughs) on the subject of tradition and making new ones and you know working with what you have in the diaspora not being in the place where you have everything that you need and everything that you're supposed to have and then you know making making something from whatever you got and that's just so wonderful
5: yeah I do love I always love those little slice of life things especially when we get them on Krakoa And, and like you guys have all mentioned just the fact that you can hold on to traditions while still updating them making new traditions to go forward with you the current group you're with is amazing and it's helping these characters keep their identity like the title says and sort of help build and move on and grow another one i do have to say the, the art style i like it's very stylized i grew to like it but I, I did kind of have that first thought like josh did where i'm like oh what is this this is not what i'm used to but it's an adorable style for these characters and it is amazing to see silver samurai kind of cute in the little chibi silver samurai and the little chibi Silver samurai armor. it reminded it's me amazing. very much
7: of like the scotty young secret wars yeah. mini mm-hmm. The, yeah. the the little avengers or the versus you know pint size but, but uh, yeah, it just worked.
5: So we've got Shang-Chi's coming out with a movie, right? So shang is a big deal for Marvel right now. And Shang-Chi is not a character that as many people are familiar with. He's not a big household name. Uh, who's familiar with Shang-Chi out of this out of you guys? Who, which one are you, like do any of you guys have experience
7: with Shang-Chi or? Yeah, I mean, I've read Shang-Chi through Hickman used him in his run. Mainly, I've never read dedicated Shang-Chi titles. So I haven't read the recent mini that they put out. But you know, just a long enough history of Marvel comics comics that I know who this character is from having been in a number of issues I've read. I, and I would say probably my favorite or the most resonating of which would be his appearance in Gail Simone's Domino.
2: Yeah, I've read a lot of Shang-Chi appearances in Avengers, for sure, having read all the Avengers. But quite honestly, he's underused so much that he's almost not there in Hickman's run. And in uh, I believe he shows up during Bendis' time. Like, I really just, I mainly remember him from showing up in just cameo scenes and titles where like you know people would be teaming up with him daredevil spider-man etc back in the 80s but there was a joke one in a comic not
7: too long ago where like a trial by combat or something and someone agreed and then like they tagged out like i'm gonna use a proxy and they had shang chi come in for them and it was like oh fuck the master of kung fu <laughs> <laughs> And I don't even remember the rest of it. I only remember like the the joke of like the the weaker character tagging out, and like then everyone being like, "Oh shit, it's Shang Chi," which was kind of a cool like legit like you know boost of like his name and reputation. Yeah, he he tends to be more little spot than you know the focus of stories. Now, do
5: you think this what four page story was able to present Shang Chi in a way that you feel you basically understand his character going forward? I with the appearances, I have I. I was like oh cool i can see his internal conflict and i really kind of get where he's coming from on it especially when you have to ask that question of what is versus what if. on it yeah that was
2: nice i think gene yang is an amazing i always love reading his stuff i loved superman smashes the clan marcus toe and sunny go just kill it on this I'm, I'm a big fan of both I, all, all of the creators on this first story are just like personal favorites of mine and it was it was really nice you can really see the division between like you know him following in what seems to be the identity given to him and then instead choosing to forge his own path away from that and make of it what he needs to with his friends and his allies. that was that was nice
6: especially because this is kind of like the theme of what's going on in his current mini and if you enjoyed this little one shot that he got, I think you would really also enjoy the little the mini that's currently going on because it's kind of what it's about. It's him rectifying the wrongs that his father's done and trying to make the Five Weapon Clan a better name. He's trying not to be evil and it's really something that I've been enjoying because I really like that it's less focused on external conflict and focused a lot more on his internal conflict of these teachings that his father has done to him and given him and trying to rectify the wrongs and the evils and what that means and how do you do that with you know all these teachings that you were taught tradition i think it's a really interesting and powerful storytelling and this like fits right into what's currently going on and what we will hopefully see in his current upcoming movie
5: Hopefully so. (laughs) Hopefully so. And yeah, you know, it makes me want to read more. I know through especially Domino from Gail Simone, which is a really funny story. She admitted on Twitter the other day, you know, sometimes when you get to write a Marvel run, you've got to throw in all of your favorite characters. So she threw Shang-Chi in because he was one of her favorite characters. So she's like, I've got to find some way to get him have to interact with Domino. And really, for me, that made me kind of like, oh, take notice of the character and be like, I got to know more about that. So the next one we talked about a little bit is the Jubilee story where Chris Christina Strain does writing and colors, and Jason Liu does the art on. Again, I loved seeing Jubilee. Practice some of her traditions from her family, admitting that, you know, she didn't get as much of a chance to grow up in that culture as much, especially since her parents died so young. My favorite part, I know one of you guys mentioned, was seeing Jubilee get her first pair of glasses, those pink glasses, where she's like, her mother's like, how much did you spend on those damn things? I loved it. And she also had that dazzler and Lila Cheney poster in her room. So I was like, yes.
2: Honestly, my favorite part of this is so small and it came so early. It was just doing the grave sweeping ceremony with her looking at her phone about the article how to do a grave sweeping ceremony like that's something i really (laughs) relate to whenever i'm cooking up some lithuanian cuisine for my dad i'm always just like kind of like staring at it and looking at my phone glancing back and forth and thinking about how i didn't get taught this by my grandpa it was that that was really nice it was a nice touch it's something jubilee would do it very much marks her as a younger child of immigrants
7: yeah that's what i was like with the identity it, it was one of those little kind of subtle things that we saw threaded through a lot of these with the, the creators kind of talking about that like the identity of like this generation the same thing with you know like uh, kamala wanting to be like no like but i'm pakistani see
2: yeah not knowing Urdu. Well enough that yeah or having to pull tool. through the
7: phone <laughs>
2: trying to look up you know words in the language so that you can speak yourself
7: replace office. rice vinegar with ketchup things like that yeah. like we had all of these little <laughs> Adaptations, or you know, a kind of bridge culture. um
5: We did get sleeveless Jono at the end, so I'm honestly going to be forever grateful. <laughs> too are
7: oh, they said sleeveless Jonah? I'm like, yeah, like sleeveless. <laughs> no,
5: it. Jono, but sure, sleeveless Jonah would be amazing too. But you know, why not?
1: get <laughs> a
6: little bit of both. <laughs> The Jubilee one was, was so good. Everything about it was just top-notch from beginning to end. I think it really, it really put Jubilee in this amazing light that I really think she needed. And I really think she needed the highlight in this way. I especially, I kind of just love that she had another Gen Xer, her son, like, like Jonah was just watching, just watching Shogo. And then it's like, okay, I'll meet, I'll meet you. Don't worry. Like, it was cute. Oh, Don't forget,
7: when Jubilee disappeared into the age of X-Men, Chamber took the baby and kept it safe, raised yep. it and stayed with it until Jubilee got back, Like. Jono stepped up and what, you know, he was, died
5: and then Shan had to take over the take care yeah. yeah Shan took over the baby but then like when she left to care, take care of her sisters and brother again
7: what Shan had to run off and take
5: care of her sisters and brothers <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs>
6: happened in a comic
5: it happened oh. I don't even know how many times this happened more than it, once though it was
6: it was a, her it was her only character trait for a little bit
5: <laughs> it was <laughs> <laughs> um, so next we get to a character who I don't know as much about Jimmy Woo uh, it's a with the Jimmy Woo 1959 what is your guys' experience with Jimmy Woo and hey guys Nico here I'm obsessed with Jimmy Woo
0: so I guess now we're gonna have to do some Jimmy Woo stuff on the show so if you want to be part of trade waiting and you're a big Jimmy Woo fan please hit us up with your favorite Jimmy Woo story and let's see if we can get that going but man I love me some Jimmy Woo so I really wish I was on this now
5: Uh, did you enjoy the segment that we got here I I enjoyed learning more about the character because I really didn't know much about him I
2: like the contextualization of him as a former g-man which is really nice because i like jimmy woo i don't like cops and when he (laughs) when he comes out here and he's just like yeah yeah i wanted justice and i thought i'd get it if i worked for the guy with the biggest stick but then you find out about everybody getting beat down and i'm like that is such a nice encapsulation of jimmy woo's character and it's it's good to see that you know he's quit and now he's just doing good things instead of you know whatever he has to do i really want to read the recent agents of atlas series i have missed out on it I didn't read the
7: Greg Pak's Agent of Atlas series, but I did pick up the backdoor pilot he did into it in his Totally Amazing Hulk. It had Amadeus Cho, and it had Cindy Moon, and Kamala Khan, and Jimmy, and essentially it was like his backdoor pilot into this team that liked what would become the Agent of Atlas issue, and that was a really good issue that dealt with a lot of the same themes.
5: Yeah, the Jimmy Woo story and the Wave story we get to a little bit later on both made me, like, really gotta pick up that Agent of Atlas story. This next story that we come into is a more complex one, a more heartfelt one, I think, personally, where Kamala Khan, this Marvel, is dealing with her identity as both an American and a Pac-Danny. Um, what is your guys' thoughts on the story, Josh? Did you have any thoughts in particular? Do you think it was well done? Like, do you think there were things that you really liked more or less?
7: Yes and no. Like, so as someone who's read every issue of Miss Marvel, it easily, like, you know, you see exactly where it fits in. You have to have read G. Willow Wilson's full run with Red Dagger and all of that to, to kind of get this. I don't think so. And know true. these. They, they
2: don't go back it's and establish. Like, you think so? Like, yeah, you- because I if, had forgotten a large portion of that run that pertained to Red Dagger, I, I read it so long ago, and I came into this being like, "Who's Red Dagger?" I didn't. It didn't matter to me understanding the okay. emotions of the story.
7: See, I, so I, I mean, and I can't say what you would understand if you didn't read it. I get. I, I felt like it would be more difficult to understand if you hadn't read it because I had read it, and there was no narrative. We didn't get a lot of the
2: <laughs> head bubbles, thought bubbles. <laughs> I think maybe yeah. that might enrich your reading of the story. But as somebody who had forgotten their entire whatever relationship that they had had, it was very clear on the page.
7: I really enjoyed the story. Like my concern of it was that like, it was maybe too deep a cut for someone who hadn't read this prior. And that was my concern. And maybe as an unfounded concern. Um, there there are little things in here. And so, you know, I go to, you know, I mentioned earlier that that I'm Muslim. I One of the things that I've always loved about, particularly G. Willow Wilson's run, and then what Saladin Ahmed kind of did, picking up on it after, is how unapologetically Pakistani they have made the family and the characters. Like, it is not like they're Paki. It is like they will blend Urdu and Arabic into their English, and you don't always need explanation for the customs or the food that they're eating. Like, there is... It is a hundred percent because I, I go to an Indo-Pak masjid, and so my Islam is just inherently tied in with Indo-Pak culture. And you know, every community dinner, like there is nothing we do that doesn't have biryani. Like everything, <laughs> everything is kind of tied in with this. And so you know, the the words that they use and the way they just—it's always been so pitch perfect and respectful. um And I think one of the things too that i loved in this was like i have no doubt that kamala can read arabic and probably doesn't speak it which i think is where most of you know most kids of her kind of background or generation would be right growing up in masjid they take quran classes you learn how to read arabic that's where i am i I read arabic i speak very little of it ordu uses the arabic alphabet but it has like six extra letters (laughs) and so the whole thing about the khushkadi the whole thing about the khushkadi being like ordu letters and like do you even know how to read ordu and she's like like um like yeah like because she can read the arabic which means she knows like 85% of the letters and then like she can fill in and she speaks because like you know she's grown up speaking and hearing but there isn't necessarily like specifically writing arabic or no like there's there's that gap in those letters and the confusion in the like that is a thing that like i saw and and felt like as someone who's around ordu and and you know the older you know the immigrant the first generation immigrants who you know naturally read, speak, write or do, and then the second generation who know how to speak to their parents and you know and, and this and that and, and can read Arabic, but like struggle with that in between sometimes, like because it's it's in their gap. Was just this kind of sweet, nice little like highlight on her like, yes I am, but like for the most part like I, I know most of that. Like I know more than any American <laughs> which yeah i i I felt and related and have have seen so many times so i i I loved the the cultural touches on this well
5: so good so it it felt actually authentic Mm -hmm. not like somebody trying to which sometimes when you get people writing these stories they try to throw in way too many things and nothing sounds right for the record
7: i remembered and identified one of the six order letters
5: personally what you were saying with needing to know the backstory i i I haven't read any of g willow wilson's miss marvel i need to because i've heard it's amazing i love Miss Marvel from Champions, though, and her Avengers run. Like, the character is a great character. Her solo run always seemed geared a little younger than I tend to read to, but you know, I I think that I get past that, especially with all the good reviews I've heard. Without having read that, I I could tell, you know, the relationship they had. I'm sure the story would have been enriched by having read that whole line, but I, I could still tell pretty much the sort of relationship they had going on. Steve, you were mentioning that you kind of felt the same way, too.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that the emotions are told very well on the page in the same way that you can, like, know the whole story of. You know a, a wrestling feud, but if you watch one really good match in the middle of it, all the emotions will be on display, and clearly, you know, the narrative will tell it. I felt like this issue, yeah, definitely could have been enriched by having, you know, like backstory between them. But for me, I didn't have any of it, and I went in and I read it, and I was like, man, I feel this. You know, like it is. I don't know. It's it's all very clear to me on the page, and the way that they interact, and the way that you know things look like they're going really well, but then he says exactly the wrong thing, and it's just it's it's hurtful and mean. <laughs> (laughs) and she just pushes away immediately. And, you know, that that feels real. It feels authentic. It feels right. Just the thematic resonance of feeling like you should belong, but feeling like you don't belong in this place and in this this culture, with this food, even in the water, is so interesting. It's, I think it's very well written, and I think that the art really sells it too.
6: I had I had no trouble understanding it.
5: And Jonah, where are you at with this? Uh,
6: it is definitely a heartbreaker. So Red yeah. Dagger is a character I know nothing about, never heard of him before this, don't know her, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I have to agree, I think. I do see Josh's worry, and that when there are deep cut characters, or a writer makes a deep cut reference, there is worry that who is this for especially if it's not something that everybody's read but i think a lot of people can relate to whether it is someone that you are romantic with or someone you're related to almost in a way gatekeeping you the culture because they were more immersed in it and they're looking down on you that you weren't and as if they had you had a choice in that matter and i think it's a relatable sentiment and feeling especially when you don't know where you feel like you belong so the story like really like resonated with me in that sense and i like i really felt for kamala of like you don't feel like you belong in the place that you're born in and the that you're a hero in and then you don't feel like place to, when you're told to go back where you belong you don't feel like you belong there at all either and it's like well damn where do I fit in Yeah, yeah this I mean, is can-
7: the one that really nailed that where you know that she's the most Pakistani girl in America and the most American girl in Pakistan and you know she feels not American enough and not Pakistani enough at the same like where is that comfort which, which is kind of a good touchback like she had that's not what happened in the G.O.O. like she had a very nice like kind of rediscovering her roots and getting to know her story in a way where you know something that I've seen a lot from like the younger kids or the teenagers when they go but like the teenagers that go back home to like India and Pakistan usually are like when they go to their neighborhoods or communities or towns where they're from especially if they're not from like a really big like massively populated city like if they're not from Karachi like Delhi or Bombay or something like that you know that they're very much you know like they're like the American rock star like coming back into town like they're like a little celebrity like like the American like one of, of you know return and you you know all the stories of like, what's it like in America, and can you really like? Do you really get to da, da 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 da? You know, and you see the pictures of them like, and they just think like they're so cool, and they love like you know the attention. And so you know, there was a little more of that I think in the original G Willow Wilson run, but this dealt more with some of like the kind of deeper personal insecurities, some of more of the introspection of it. I mean, just going abroad like in that part of the world, the roundabout, holy shit, the roundabout, like, <laughs> like, like, because you'll go miles and miles of incredible, like, densely pop populated just non-stop traffic and the local drivers like don't use brakes it's like it's like a <laughs> roller coaster and there's no need for brake because there's no stop signs or red lights everything's roundabouts so it's just whipping through and in and out and getting to like and and it is bonkers if you're from the, the constant stop and go, like, trans you know, transportation infrastructure of America, but also confusing of like, you stay on this road, but then like it roundabouts, but it like, they don't perfectly like line up. So you're like, wait, is it straight right or straight left? Or what the,
5: which one's the straight? Yeah, I get two roundabouts here and I'm like lost. So
7: I wanted to bring a car over when we were in the Middle East and after like the First week there, I was like, I am never driving in there, like, we (laughs) will, like, cabs and prayers just all day long. Like,
5: (laughs) yeah, that would be tough to get used to for sure so next we go to the personal hero story which focuses on an agent of atlas character who i have just fallen in love with in this little piece right here wait so i love this her excitement of meeting bishop and bishop excitement of meeting her in return i it just blew me away i love every little bit about this story but where are you guys at with it it's
6: my only complaint that it felt too short i oh. know like a couple more pages I felt like I was like we get Wave and like Wave's one of the characters. Um, I think it was the Agents of Atlas made a brief appearance during the Empire run, so you it kind of like went through them a little bit when they're trying to figure out what's going on with the plant and the scroll and all that that big old mystery that was going on. And the two that like from ages of Atlas that I didn't know that like really stood out to me were Arrow and Wave, and I was like, damn, they got like really cool costumes and like they seem like really cool. Like I, I got to know about them We get this Wave story, and I'm like, damn, this is like a really cool story because it just feels so sweet like it just especially because like i just recently just read cable reloaded so like cable kind of like being like all like giddy and nervous to meet rocket raccoon which was a hero for <laughs> him was amazing i love seeing wave here i love her getting the ingredients for her lolo like everything about this i think was just a very sweet fun issue and it was really it's like a good break of like what this entire anthology really had was like really good like heartwarming heart-wrenching stories and like heartbreaking and bittersweet and a really good mix of ones that were just very, like, easy pal- I don't want to say palatable, easy and, like, fun to get read and just be, like, a joyful time. So, like, this is one of those for me, and I was like, I need more. I needed at least three more pages and uh, <laughs> and a 12-issue main series of just waiting. I really,
2: uh really loved this one. This was one of my very favorites in the issue. It was nice to see Wills back on Bishop, you know, Bishop's creator. Bishop was originally intended to be Filipino, as I understand it, mm-hmm. when created by Wills, and it is, it feels like weird, it feels justicy, but um, oh no, Wills
7: created a Filipino character. They allowed him to make his own character. He made a Filipino character because it was the most important thing to him. And then after he left and other people got it and didn't know what to do with the Filipino character, they just made him black. Uh, and by other people, I mean Scott LeBan. And
2: so I'm, I'm glad that he showed okay. up in this issue, focused in, say, we in the Philippines with this other Filipino character. And they get to meet each other and be mutual heroes of each other. And Wills gets to draw his famous creation again. It was, it was just very very nice. Uh, it was very sweet. I love when Bishop shows up. Bishop's hot as hell and uh, really cool. And Wave clearly agrees. It was it was so cool <laughs> for him to be like, in, in my time, because that's a great thing you can always do with Bishop. Uh, and obviously yeah. it's very similar to what was done with Cable and Rocket in the recent issue, but like, I love that that's a thing you can always do with Bishop, is any minor character you can have Bishop be like, whoa, and we used to oh we used to always tell campfire stories about you, because like, he's the kind of guy who says, like, snicked as if it's a swear. You know, like, it's, it's very <laughs> fun and it's one of my favorite things that anybody ever does with bishop and it's great to see here it's very cute it's it's just a whole delight and desi bishop you know know about the filipino food and understand it and it's, it's a it's which, which I,
7: oh i felt like that was a total like that was wills just completely <laughs> like going back to like fuck y'all he was filipino don't forget it is yeah but
2: i i do appreciate that i liked it
7: Yes, and I love that he got the opportunity to do it.
2: Yes, and I love that we got more
5: of. Well, I don't love it, but we got more of Bishop here in this issue than we've gotten in the last like 15 issues of Morra. Yeah, I don't love that, but I talk about that uh-huh. on our <laughs> So I was like, "Oh my God, Bishop! He actually is doing something." And you're right, Steve. This, especially in this look, he's hot. He's hot. This is the best oh, Bishop has
2: ever looked, God. and I've always liked how Bishop Bishop has looked. Bishop yeah. doesn't have bad. He's always been you know? a really
5: hot guy, but this is like, yeah, like that yeah.
2: red outfit, the hair. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but I also do <laughs> like ha- I also
5: like how this story sets up Wave to be a character that we want to look to see more of from the future, that hopefully what happened in Bishop's reality will happen to her here, and that she will become
2: more of a legendary status hero. Hopefully only that uh, thing in Bishop's reality happens. Right. I do want to see Wave become a legendary hero. That is super cool.
5: That is super yeah. cool. and it It's really nice to... Uh, like.
2: Was she like, part of the Summer's Rebellion?
5: She's <laughs> not a mutant, is she? No. no. Boy, not she's a, a human mutate. Yeah, she's a human mutate. Who's that
2: mutant? She beats up. Is that just a nameless mutant who makes water dragons, or is that like a one that we've seen before?
6: No, he's got a cool power. He's got a really cool power. I don't care. I don't care for his actual character design, but he got if he makes just water the dragons. Power I power. Think that's yeah.
2: Cool. That is amazing. I want water dragons all the time. <laughs> Bishop just being like snakes, come get some.
5: <laughs> Whereas some of the other stories were a little heavier and really heartfelt. at the Same time, this this story makes me want more of wave and like need it now. They pace
2: these well in this issue, in this in this comic book, right? Like they're interspersed in such a way that when you get like a bittersweet one, you get like a joyous one.
7: I think this is my favorite of the recent Voices anthology, because we started with the Voices with having like these one shot, and then it turned into anthologies, and I think this might be my favorite of the anthologies so far.
5: See, if I'm remembering right, Indigenous Voices was mm-hmm. just focused on three characters, so we got three longer stories, which maybe served more of a purpose, and they really, especially echo with where they put Echo now that really sort of helps to serve for her background and uh danny obviously is a character they're always going to feature especially in the Men line and then the silver fox one was sort of like okay cool what are you doing here are you going to bring her back and then just the marvel voices one which was the african-american voices was a little bit more of an anthology one and then when you got to pride pride was like a super anthology and i don't really think any of the stories got a chance to shine like they did in this yeah. one here
7: pride felt like marvel like looking at like dc's got a big pride one coming out and we want to have a Brig Pride one coming out that's the exact same size and cost the exact same <laughs> amount of money I will say and I so we'll people. make it part of our voices line because it fits and should be part of the voices line but we're also going to kind of mimic their format a little more for that one as well and just the stories didn't all hit as well like I felt like there was a lot of like they pushed a lot like they were trying too hard on some of them and they just didn't land whereas here there isn't really a weak or a bad or a, a grumble story there are ones that hit harder they all hit they all land and it felt much more cohesive in terms of theme and tone as well some of the others did where not just that like it's a bunch of random stories about people who have this as their identity but it was also specifically going through how these people identify and what you know the conflicts they have or how they have to try to bridge the cultural gaps in there to, to hold on to their identity so
5: to move on to a story that is very thematically cohesive with this is the silhouette story I love the story as a story. It didn't necessarily seem like a silhouette story, and it didn't necessarily hit some of the aspects of her background, which I would have hoped it would have touched upon. Because we have to remember, a silhouette is is a mutant. And nowhere in this little story was that mentioned. It did touch upon her other issues in her identity, and it has her picking a name for herself. Like, besides Silhouette Cord is her name. But it has her picking out a new name, a new identity, which obviously very well fits with the, the Theme of the story where were you all with this story is anybody like a massive silhouette fan or am i like the only one ever i, I really like <laughs>
2: silhouette silhouette has always been one of the coolest characters as a disabled mixed race woman in new mutants it was extre- extremely cool to see somebody fight with crutches like i, I always thought that was our yeah. braces i always thought that yes. was extremely cool and super rad powers really fun to see on the page really cool personality back in the old did i say new mutants i meant new warriors yeah new, new warriors, warriors but it's okay um, yeah sorry <laughs> Yeah. They
5: were half-mutants anyway, so it was the 90s.
2: I, I,
0: 90s I always appreciated
2: mutants. Silhouette. She's incredibly rad and I much prefer that they did not focus on any fictional identities for Silhouette. I, it's more important for this issue and it's more important to her, it seems, honestly, to focus on her real-world uh, identities as a disabled person or differently-abled person and as a person of mixed-race ethnicity and non-white ethnicity.
7: Yeah, I, I, I thought this was interesting. Like, I, I, This is one I had to kind of go back and reread some pages on because like i was not sure like the, like the last time i had read scene silhouette stuff was like early 90s like and most of my new warriors knowledge depth was you know either like the new warriors cards like when i was collecting the whole marvel trading card set or the issues that crossed over with other things and so you know like i got new warriors and cameos or crossovers and like bardo man or things like that so to to you know i had to be like wait is this a new cat no like are we going back or like because there's, you know, I think like there's stuff I'm missing, but I liked that we had that. I thought it was interesting that they focused more on the disability than her mixed race, and not that there's anything wrong. That like I, I hope that this doesn't slight. Like I would love that we get a a you know a differently able focus voices with you know characters like her and Taki. So you know I hope that this, it isn't like a, a double dip slight to that, and that and that we do get to see more of that. I love the story. I thought the art was sweet i had one real confusing bit and so you guys help me out because i've been waiting to ask you this when it comes to the silhouette story did she have sex with the second date guy
2: yeah i, I assumed that was implied. Mm, that's what it looked
6: like that's how i took it i as would well. have as well. yeah.
7: so
2: the guy who, who asked it? the rude question of like does your junk still work like she had sex with him anyway well, he's really hot i'm not gonna blame her for making that choice that is her choice to make It is her choice to make, you know, she can, but still, like, I was like, oh, girl, who among us?
6: It's, it's the catch 22 of, do you go with the guy who is racist or you go with the guy who is ableist? Usually neither, but it's like, well, if you had to pick one, So, she got baby bear just right in the end
5: I know that was really nice I was like hey get your porridge girl
6: Silhouette so, is a character I, I'm not familiar with I had to mm-hmm. double check to see who this character was because I didn't know it's okay if you how didn't I read
5: New it. Warriors you probably have no idea <laughs> no unfortunately so
6: I, I don't know a lot about her I do love just from her design perspective I love more characters of color that we have a disabled character and I love that this character isn't defined by their disability and that you have a hero that can still be a hero and that's something that I love and I always want to strive and push forward of showing that you can be a superhero with disabilities I also love showing her in positions of sexuality and having sex and having to deal with that because you know I think it's another really important topic to show about disabled people is that like yes they are still people who are sexually active and they work around it and there are people who do fetishize them for their disabilities and it's like it's a it's a it's a really heavy topic and i know that it was really only dip their toes in it but I was still really appreciative of it i have gotten the question a statement before not the question the statement of you were so exotic and it is one of the grossest slimiest things you can say to somebody this story i really i liked what it what it was for visibility for people and what it does for representation i really enjoyed it from that aspect and i like that this was very much just the day in the life of silhouette and and what dating is like though i i was like girl you're so naive, you think after one good experience, you're going to have to delete the dating app?
2: You no. Know?
6: <laughs> <laughs> that was very premature. I,
2: I I'm like going to assume that that's not her first, nor her last time deleting Yeah, it. how many times do you just, like, yeah. put it on, delete it? I like the symbolic act of deleting it, for at least what it says about it her confidence going forward with this guy and yeah it's nice this is a really like I thought this was a pretty well executed story as a a person who doesn't necessarily share any of the identities present in this issue I've always appreciated that silhouette is a character that can when well written be truly intersectional and tell a lot of different stories and how they interact and this was a really good example of that at least to me I'm only a a cis white man bodily able but like yeah it just it seemed like it worked It, it, it worked for me it made me more invested in the character it made me happy for her and about her and wanting to see silhouette back in mainstream American comics. I see a lot of that.
5: With this story I loved it. It's not the silhouette I knew but it's the silhouette we deserve. So like it, this I didn't expect to see a story about ableism in this book but I'm glad we did the more we can see how people are treated respectfully when we should just treat everybody the right way in these kind of books, make it better. I'm glad silhouette got used and I hope this brings more silhouette stories in the future and I hope they do do pick up on the idea of her choosing the name so like i'd love to see that go forward and stay with silhouette as a character i'd love to see just silhouette anywhere you know honestly all right so then that goes to traditional pink sushi which is such a cute fun story i know we've already talked about it a little bit for me my favorite part is is everything like i i love how i i will never not think of silver samurai as the little silver samurai hugging his mommy now that is like so amazing but for me the story summed up as how do we make new traditions based on our old traditions when we don't have them.
2: I was thinking a lot about buying like buttermilk and sour cream instead of kefir for my shaltabarshi while reading this issue <laughs> it was really nice I don't know it really encapsulates a lot of child of immigrants experience or you know like sense of immigrants experience and it represents a, a multiple viewpoints of it and it was really nice to see Silver samurai cry in beautiful emotional expression of missing his mom and the childhood that he had with her. I was, oh man, It just left me so warm and bubbly. Also, Surge, right, showing up just right there in the end. Surgeon, Surgeon Dockin,
5: and, yeah, Dockin. I was like, yay, it's like Dockin. Of course, he shows up to sushi dinner shirt. Oh, that was that hero
2: in this? I, I missed that. I was just f- focusing on Surge. Yeah, he's like the little bottom, <laughs> the little yes, bottom. Yes, oh, <laughs> Dockin shares
7: uh, yeah. the same shirt allergy that Warren has. I
2: think I think
5: Dockin's <laughs> a little bit more allergic to shirts than Warren. Just a little my bit, favorite like... my
2: favorite thing in cartooning ever, my favorite thing in any cartooning ever, is when somebody's eye is just a dot and their mouth is a big old chubby cheek over the line. Uh, every time I see that, it makes me happy, like in any kind of cartoon. So it's just nice to see Akihiro just blankly staring with his little bunched up cheek at the food.
5: And I love how Silver Samurai has a secondary mutation to change the picture on his apron. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute.
6: This is this is what I imagine Silver Samurai does when he's on at the Crucible. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he just sits and he just eats, Uh, cool. just has some sushi, has some tea.
7: And and this goes back to, you know, a conversation that we've had before of, like, you know, my head canon of, you know, that, like, we have a, you know, well, that we have, like, a bunch of Muslim characters on the island. And, you know, that who would, who would be the one, like, you know, like, when they go have Salat, like, who would be the one leading Salat? And it, it would be Farooq. Like Farouk would be the one that, you know, they would just kind of like line up behind or expect, like, you know, like they would expect to kind of like step forward and lead and that, you know, like that the, the East Asian American characters, you know, are having this weekly sushi dinner and, you know, making their Krokoan sushi and having their new kind of culture and new tradition. Like this type of stuff, like I think all of us, one of the great things of Kroko is that all of us can have our little headcanon about all of these subcultures and intersectionality like, and how they operate background. On Krakoa, and this gave us a little glimpse into one. It was adorable and perfect.
2: I
5: loved it. Agreed. Yeah, it was really nice. So that gets us to the last story in this amazing issue: a New York state of mind. I know, Jonah. You said this was your favorite uh, little vignette of the issue. What did you love about it? Like, tell me about it.
6: I love so many different Spider characters. I am one of those people who just keep introducing more Spider characters. I will fall, find a way to fall in love with them. I just think Silk is so fucking badass. She is. She oh my is god. So fucking cool. Yeah. And then. Amadeus Cho is a character that I relate so heavily to. He is one of the funniest newer era characters I have ever encountered. I can't fully describe my love for Amadeus Cho. Nico likes to call me Amadeus Chojo sometimes. Oh, um, <laughs> so uh, I I really like, I'm, like so these are two characters that I I love and seeing them together talking about their experiences of being Korean American and it's just like 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 everything like. I love it because it, it you feel the anger and you feel what it's like kind of to be the not to say the torchbearer but having to fight for people that might not like you and say having to come with the realization of we can't change their minds that's on them we can only do what we do we can only do our job the stereotype comments that they were angry about and bashing the scarecrow over i'm like i've heard those so many different times i've heard so many more that are also just as common so often it's like it's so dumb it's so dumb to like say these things to like like actually say things to people not only just think it but like actually tell people these things this issue was just it was just great this this story
5: i've never seen you Joe is so excited yeah. <laughs> like except for like I only heard him more excited once when we were talking about Elsa Bloodstone so like oh. <laughs> I can tell like you love Amadeus Joe like oh.
2: so what sometime another time Jonah you'll have to tell me all about Elsa Bloodstone because his character I've just never understood uh. go
7: back and listen to the Elsa Bloodstone one where they talk about the um, Elsa Bloodstone the bequest it was uh, no, it's, 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 a, it's, a great, it's a great
5: it's a great yeah <laughs> it's a great listen uh, is in my son's room. it is
7: it's a great great episode there were some other the little things in here there was a nice little interview that I had seen excerpts from or most of I felt like online already with Larry Hama and it mentioned that you know that the full interview will be available in an upcoming episode of the Marvel Voices podcast I saw the the plug at the end which you know if you read any Marvel comic for the last two months you've definitely seen the ad for Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit which is what you have to ask your LCS for because that is how it's listed in the order sheet Miss um, <laughs> <laughs> Marvel Beyond the Limit coming out September 15th um, and then that uh we're getting another they have another one on the lineup for a couple months from now uh, marvel voices community data focusing yes. on latin characters
5: that and i know we're also getting a sequel to the indigenous voices one two coming up so like there's i love that marvel voices is continuing this line and they are growing this line they do seem to have actually taken some of the characters that they featured and try to put them in more prominent roles namely specifically echo giving her the phoenix force i wish we we didn't need to have the voices lined, but the fact that we do have the voices line and that we are showcasing people, people characters, and writers and creators, characters and creators of different ethnicity groups is amazing. Uh,
2: I, I love it unabashedly, honestly. A lot of these have been really fun stories. I don't feel like there's been too many obvious missteps or anything like that in Marvel voices. You know, occasionally there is. Uh, it's, there was some, I had some criticisms of the, the Pride one, although I don't know if that really counts. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm definitely looking, I'm like, on my phone right now I'm like when is the trade coming out because I know the Marvel Voices trade is coming out if it's not already out but yeah I'm, I'm very much interested in getting that
0: Hey, everybody. Nico here one last time. And guys, I love when Rod and Juan come together to talk about Marvel Cosmic. Their continuing coverage of Guardians of the Galaxy has been one of my favorite things that we've put out in 2021. And here is the next part of the last Annihilation story. Guys, we love making this show for you two to three times a week, every week, plus daily content over on YouTube and Twitter at X's for Podcast. As always, I've been Nico Action, and you guys can find me at N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, guys, enjoy this last segment. Keep those mutant lights lit, those cocoon gateways open and we'll see you
3: hello everyone and welcome to the next segment of x's for podcast where we talk about the mutants the magic and all of the marvels. now i am rod you can find me at rod comma the that's r-o-d-c-o-m-m-a-t-h-e twitter and instagram and today i have with me my fabulous fiance chongo you can find me at all my social
8: medias at chongo a-t-x and today we're talking about Guardian 17 by Al Ewing, and art by Juan Ferreji,
3: colors by Federico Blee, VCs Corey on letters,
8: and that's all we care about.
3: We care about everybody else, but it's just too much to mention. Please go support everybody else to do all the covers and everything else as well. So, Guardian 17, this is part, five, I want to say four, uh, of see. Last Annihilation. It is one, two, three, four. Not nope. I- was I right? Three. Ah, Cables I was off. Four. I was off by one. Yeah. I counted too many.
8: You were also off by saying that Captain Glory wasn't going to die. And first page, spoiler,
3: Captain Glory dies. Captain Glory dies. But he dies in a heroic way, which is how he wanted to go. Yeah. He said he wanted to die in war, not in captivity, in a jail cell. He said he wanted to go out in glory. Blaze of glory. <laughs> and fitting to his name, he did go out in a blaze of glory. He didn't do anything.
0: I guess he protected Hulkling? He I mean, protected
3: Hulkling. He
8: sacrificed himself. Yeah. So, Hopefully's still alive. Thankfully, yeah. I mean... I, I think it's funny that Al Ewing created and introduced the character and killed the character. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, let's get this
3: guy out of the way. I mean, it's comic books. You could always bring him back and he's yeah. an alien, too. Yeah. Super soldier. Like, it's super easy. To bring him yeah. If they really wanted to. I like the costume. Yeah, I love Casting Glory's look. It's
8: it's very much like a, a, a NovaCorp mixed with, like, old pre-pre yeah. guard. And also, he's like, I'm about to bring in another old white dude with white hair, so I'm gonna kill this old white dude with white hair. What other white dude with white hair? Cable.
3: Oh, that's right. I mean, true. I didn't technically he didn't bring him in though. I guess he's part of the ex-office. So I guess, yeah, I guess he did bring him he in. He wrote the book. I mean he did write the book. He did write cable reloaded, which we will mention as well. <laughs> so I guess technically, fine. You're right. But after that, because it kind of this kind of takes place right after Sword, mm-hmm. so because it's part of the Last Annihilation. But then we go to where Doom, Rocket, Star Lord, Gamora, basically the whole gang of Guardians. All the Guardians
8: are together. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out what is the common denominator of all the places that he's attacking. Because so far, we have him attacking, let's see, Spartax, then there is Hala, and then th- there's a lot. There's five. Yeah, there's... F- <laughs> well, actually, it was four spots at that time yeah. that he was actually attacking. Yeah. But they were like, oh, the fifth spot, if you connect them all, it forms a pentagram, mm-hmm. which, as you Local witch, residential witch. You will know that a pentagram sometimes is used for summoning spells. So Dormammu is trying to make a big cosmic pentagram out in space using these planets that are important spots within Marvel cosmic universe.
3: So I think he's trying to unleash something. Unleash the beast. Unleash the beast. And like, okay, so Doom. That's Doom. Doom. God Doom. Honestly, in our in our picture right which now, which he wants but to be all the time. He wants to be all the time. In his head, he's always a guy. But so Doom is not a, seen as a good guy. A lot of the times, it's tried. So that's why the team is kind of skeptical, at least half of it, Nova especially. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, how can we trust Doom is right? And like, yeah, it's magic and everything. And even Moondragon. Like, it's like, oh, Moondragon, read his mind. See what he, yeah. he he's find out. And she's like, well, he put up protective barriers since the last time I went in there. And Doom was like, of course, Doom's mind is Doom's mind. Well, so. the thing <laughs> is, like, Doom is a Residential Magic user.
8: Oh, since yeah. Wiccan is fighting, and I think he's in Spartax. I, I
3: think so. But
8: uh, he's a Residential Magic user, so he's the one that's the most knowledgeable of this. So he comes up with this idea that, oh, we're going to stop him at the next spot. Mm-hmm. And they want to form these two teams, and Nova being very, like, I don't trust this dude. I don't trust these villains. Why are we working with villains again? Yeah, Was like, I don't want to do this idea. I don't want to split up. I don't want to be in his team. So Gamora's like, fine. I'll stay with you if you don't feel comfortable being with him. So Doom's like, that's fine. I Doom can do all the work on his own. He doesn't yeah. need anybody else.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a split thing because, I mean, Rocket is like, no. I trust Doom with this plan. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to trust Doom, but you can trust me. Like, do yeah. you trust me? And Nova's like, no. Like, I don't trust, I don't like, I can't take your word for it, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, Nova and Gamora, and kind of even Star Lord are like, Let's, uh, we don't know if this is 100%, you know, mm-hmm. a good thing. But then, you know, they do split up the teams because they're like, Well, what else can we do? Right. This is it. Like, if we don't do something, yeah. Like, there's gonna, he's gonna complete the pentagram and then it's gonna be unstoppable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they split up the teams like they were going to anyway, despite, mm-hmm. you know, Nova having a tender team.
1: So, <laughs>
8: One of the teams goes to, I think, Spartax. One goes to Shatari Prime. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to stop them. From gaining full control of Shatari Prime. But when they get to Shatari Prime, they realize that all of the insect people there uh, like have like Dormammu spells over them. He's already like taken over that whole planet. Basically, like creating a hive mind that he's controlling. Freaking Dormammu's is already ahead of them, one step ahead. So what does Doom do? In typical Doom fashion? Doom unleashes the Doom bots. Because he's like, they may have an army, but
3: guess what? So do fucking I. Honestly and I, and truly that was scary in itself yeah. Like, I if uh, Dormammu isn't causing the last annihilation, I mean, Doom might be right after. Him. Yeah. <laughs> he can create out of, like, space rocks an army of robots mm-hmm. in, like, an instant with his magic and technology, with his science, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's very bewildering to, like, almost all of the crew. They're like, whoa, this is, like, a lot that he's mm-hmm. doing. And they're like, are we sure that he's not the bad guy? Right. <laughs> like, are we sure we can actually really trust him? Right. They're like, maybe we should listen
8: to Nova what he says... Said- that uh we shouldn't be following doom
3: right and i mean you get you have to take what you can get with doom like he does have a good plan sometimes but it's also always going to benefit him and it's usually going to screw you over so it's a good plan it's a good plan for him though. not for really anybody else unless you're on his side yeah
8: sorry i was reading it over because i forgot that when uh the second team with nova and mantis and all them went over to Spartax, that they do mention that they're gonna get help from black panthers intergalactic wakanda mm-hmm. and swords so they have help coming mm-hmm. but in the meantime they're they're fighting all of the mindless ones yet again and they are everywhere like because they're being portaled in and because they're all like different sizes and different strengths it's, it's like they're getting bogged down they're getting it from all corners right now and like this book has been a lot of action it's been a lot of like non-stop action but they started this off slowly at the beginning of yeah. like let's talk things through mm-hmm. it builds to the action and it doesn't just like jump into it no and like...
3: It, I like that and it's not like taking two slow it's yeah. not like exoswords slow it's yeah. like one issue Yeah, like the first issue of An- Last Annihilation was like building it up and then like the next two was like oh well they're taking over like three planets yeah. and now they're like now they've taken over four and about to take over the fifth like it's going you know Yeah, and like the after because Cable Reloaded just came out as well but after that then we'll get the Wakanda Last Annihilation and then we're gonna see the outcome of like how the Wakandas gonna help the sword and the mutants get that big mysterium bullet that cable and cable reloaded with the exterminators and it was rocket's idea which yeah rocket but yeah i guess we're gonna see how wakanda's gonna help them fire the bullet yeah at the at the end of the page you're you're kind of
8: jumping the gun though because yeah that comes in later but like right now in the meantime we saw doom's team fighting her off with all the doom bots trying to keep demamu from taking over everybody in that planet which kind of already seems futile when we are back at Spartax with nova and mantis and all of them we see that they're like trying to figure out well can dormammu like take over ego like can he create a body can he create like a big persona mm-hmm. and i love this because al Ewing referenced something from his old ultimate Trend. the he, he mentions the eternity watch which was awesome because the eternity watch was created from galactus mm-hmm. and a bunch of the big cosmic powers trying to beat up the first firmament. So they were talking about that whole situation they're like, well I remember when Galactus needed Ego he gave Ego a body so he gave him a whole wriggle body it was Ego's head, he just grew a body. So they're like, oh man like, can he do that now? Can Dormammu grow a body? They're like, no I don't think that's possible. And then turn the page, the last page, Dormammu is a full ass cosmic entity body
3: which it's like, oh, how are you going to beat that? Now, if you're look reading that, I mean, watching this, or listening to it, it's the last page of Guardian 17, and Dormammu is big as hell mm-hmm. on the last page in that ego centric body. Like, yeah. that is scary as hell. Mm-hmm. Dormammu's never been that big in, like, a non-mystic realm way because they're still there, they're still in space. They're not, like, in the astral plane yeah. or anything. This is, a, this is a big hunk of rock, right? Yeah, which I
8: guess he connected the pentagram. I guess that's, that's, that they, they failed at it.
3: I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I feel like he already has so much power with the four planets that he could probably still make that body. And then once he creates the fifth planet, the body will basically be indestructible. But I think that's how he summoned this form. Yeah.
8: I think he connected the pentagram because uh it looks like they were fighting outside of it, trying to keep it controlled. Yeah. And, every, and the planet was already taken over by yeah. his master. Magic, so. so yeah, that's how the portal got got open. So I guess they failed at their mission. Maybe
3: it, that wasn't mentioned. Cable Reloaded that they yeah. failed or anything, but we don't know what time that might be taken, uh Right at this time as well. Yeah. So we're not exactly sure. But I'm excited to see how like what Rocket's plan is like really gonna be because like it says in here, his plan with Doom and even Cable Reloaded says he is like the mastermind. Mm-hmm. You know, Rocket is apparently supposed to be like the hero. Yeah. So and apparently. I don't think I feel like it's Doom and Rocket, but like if you're going to go down in history as a hero, they're probably not going to mention Doom. Yeah. <laughs> so because I don't think he's he's going
8: to be the hero. I think Doom has ulterior motives. Oh like yeah. Doom always does. But with the end of this Guardians issue, he's got a corporal form now. He's got a body. So they got a bullet and cable where that's they created. That was the whole point of that cable issue was to get a
3: bullet. Yeah. A
8: big enough bullet that can pierce. Well, no, through. the cable
3: didn't get the bullet. They got the they got the Mysterio. Yeah, they no, no, they got the weapon to put the bullet in. Okay, they made the gun. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they made the gun to make to put the bullet. In. All right, yeah. but <laughs> that's basically just saying they're gonna shoot the dude. Yeah, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, I think it's very, it's very like Al Ewing is doing this like serious event, serious cosmic, very emotional turmoil, getting all this personal issues all the characters, and then he's like, I got this big ass Dormammu, never done like this. He's an eagle's body, and we're gonna stop him with. With this big old space gun, and I just think that is like top notch comic book yeah. shit right there.
8: Well, <laughs> if Rocket's in charge of the plan, it's gonna be it's a gonna gun. be a gun, yeah. and
3: it's like so fitting, yeah. Look. I'm like, I love yeah, that. that. Sounds about right. Lo- Rocket loves his weaponry, especially big ass guns, yeah. And, like, he can upgrade the biggest gun teaming up with Cable
8: and Cable Reloaded. Cable is the gun guy, yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah. But can we just talk about the team that he created and the uh, Cable Reloaded? Yeah, it was. Lila Cheney, mm. which we haven't seen her anywhere. No. And she was like, why am I here? You have like the Krakoan gates. You don't need a teleporter. And he was like, mm, no, just, just wait. wait. Just, just wait. wait. We got, we got
3: <laughs>
8: and then there was also Wizkid. Wizkid. Then we had Rocket, of course. And who else was in the team? It was Wizkid.
3: Now, Rocket wasn't technically on the team. And he yeah. was before it, it was the plans. plans. Yeah. But he wasn't there. So it was Cable, Boom Boom, Cannonball, Boom. Wizkid, and Cora, And, and Lord, Lana Cheney, L- Lila Cheney. I can't ever get her name right. Um, but I like I talked about this uh, a little bit earlier, but I wasn't on the official recording of the podcast for Cable. But I loved that issue because I f- I I'm not the biggest fan of Kate. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about Cable. When Cable ended uh, with the Young Cable, I was like, oh. I started kind of liking Cable, Young Cable, just like yeah. I started liking Scott Summers in this Krakoa era. But I wasn't super sad that he was gone, um, and I was a little irritated that older Cable's coming <laughs> back. Right. But this that. Issue, issue I really liked. And I like Al Ewing writing older Cable. And I really love the star of the the whole issue for me was WizKid. Because WizKid, you know, being of Asian descent and a handicapped person, having this moment with Korra who is, you know, Iraqian and they are in a war-torn you know society for centuries. So they don't ask for help. They're too proud. They have to do everything themselves because they only have to rely on themselves there. So she's on this team and she's not Used to being on this team, they're all working together. She's like, "Why are you all being so weak working together?" Right. And he goes this like, like kind of like speech is like, "It's not weak. Like you need to stop saying that. Yes, we could all do this ourselves, but we all can do it better together. And it's not weak to ask for help. And having a handicapped person do that in the like a story type setting is very impactful because usually when you have a handicapable person in a story, they're usually seen as only doing things themselves and pushing people away from them." Because they have to be seen as, you know, stronger on their own. They're capable. Yeah, they're handy capable. But Whisket is like, I could do it on my my own. I could do it in probably two minutes. But if we work together, I, I could do it in like 30 seconds or less. And it, he's like, it's okay to ask for help. It doesn't, it makes you stronger to ask for help. Because you shouldn't have to do everything yourself. Because you have people there that are on your team. It doesn't make you weaker to ask for help. It makes you weaker not to ask for help. So And I love that message. Yeah.
8: It was a good issue. Ali really knew, knows how to write characters which is not nothing new he loves writing the smaller characters that always get sidelined and this was a perfect example of it he did a reunion of the X-Force characters so that was a really nice way of doing it even Tabitha going back into her old costume mm-hmm. I thought it was really good combination of him introducing an old character into this new world into this big event and then incorporated in it all together mm-hmm. to still like be like oh Krakoa is a really present in this whole scenario of space because, you know, Ali-Owen is the cosmic guy, but he's also tied to the X-Office, and this was very much, like, connecting the two worlds, and he did a really good job of, like, making Cable-likeable, which is, to me personally, also not a fan, so he did a lot of good work in this issue. I mean,
3: he also also did a lot of good work in the Guardian 17 issue with personal relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, he's getting me to, like, Star-Lord, which I was never a huge fan of. I appreciated Mm -hmm. Star-Lord, but Star-Lord, the way he revamped them and like this kind of like older celestial being now mm-hmm. and the way he is with doing the gamora uh, nova and star lord relationship especially in this issue when star lord's like you know, I understand how you and Gamora feel, but and I and I agree with you, but I'm gonna go with Doom and them because I wanna keep an eye on them. And also, what else do we got? He's like, You can have these feelings and I understand you have these feelings because he understands Nova's feelings, you know, he understands Nova has his trauma and is tired of being like working with again and again these evil people. Like for a lesser like to, to meet the ends of the means. He's like, I'm tired of meeting the ends of the means with these evil people. There has to be another way. And he's like, I get that, but right now there's not. <laughs> Like we have to do this, and I love that you know we get these like two men characters. I mean, I feel like I've said this before, but I, I will keep saying it because I love that we have this connection in comics. We don't get it a lot Where mm-hmm. these two men. They're you know in a friendship together, and they can understand each other. Mm-hmm. Not by fighting, not by just yelling at each other, but really talking. To like, hey, yeah. I get you. You know, you're my you know my friend, my brother, whatever. But you know, we got to do this, and that's just how it is. And like, I will be with you, you know, and you can be with Gamora. Basically, I feel like he kind of like said that because I mean, Gamora aren't together anymore but I feel like that that subtle way Al Ewing does that relationship is really you know good for I feel like a lot of younger male readers you know to see that they can talk to their you know other male you know friend or whatever and get and like have a deeper connection Mm -hmm. and not be viewed as like weak yeah yeah
8: no he's done a really good job of building those two together they've been through the trenches Mm -hmm. and trauma together so it's great to see them their friendship developing in a different way because Richard Ryder is working through a lot personally and he's been thrown into this universe where he doesn't recognize the players in the game anymore like everything's changed without him because he hasn't really been in Earth that much so he doesn't know what's happening with Earth stuff and then now he his closest friend Star-Lord came back from living this really long life and he came back as someone he doesn't know he doesn't have any anchors keeping him down like everything's shifting in the world around him Mm -hmm. and he's just like I just need something to be stable
3: yeah I like like how, speaking of like Earth and everything, I like own this in this, in Guardian 17, he references like they still can't get in touch with like the Avengers or anything because mm-hmm. of S.W.O.R.D. because of Abigail yeah. and that's going to come back to bite Abigail in the ass, yeah. <laughs> but like really bad but they can't get in touch with them because she's blocking it and it's like, oh my god, we still haven't heard from them? Are they having like another Civil War or something? Yeah, he's, like, he's like, it. I'm just he's like, I'm going to kill them if they're doing this again he's like, what? They're always infighting and he's like, that is true. There's so many infighting. That was a read.
8: That was me. a read.
3: Read if anything, I
8: was because I was like,
3: Yeah, the last 10 15 years of
8: comics, it's been heroes fighting heroes, yeah, and it we really is nice. yeah. like, Yeah, so it makes sense that he he would be reading the Earth heroes that way. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason other planets hate
3: Earth, yeah, because all the infighting. I mean, yeah. I feel like cosmic people infight too, but a lot, a lot of with like, I feel like in cosmic era and Marvel, the planets, even if they hate each other, they will work with each other, you know, to if to, to fight the other people, well, there's a whole intergalactic council yeah they'll work with each other either protect each other even if they hate each other Mm -hmm. because they know that like hey i hate you but i need your resources Yeah. So I'm not going to like infight with you as much.
8: Well, that's why the whole Grease Scroll alliance threw the whole intergalactic economy into a downward spiral because everyone was benefiting from this. Everyone was a war profiteer from that fight because mm-hmm. that was fueling the economy for so long that once they joined forces, everyone's like, where the hell is our money going to come from yeah. then?
3: I guess I, guess I was kind of wrong with the space doesn't fight each other because it was a Grease Scroll war for like millennia.
4: <laughs> but <laughs> I, I feel, feel like they don't find
3: each other. I feel like they don't do as much infighting on their own planets, I guess. I guess I was right. Yeah, they don't do it. Like, the scrolls weren't fighting the scrolls as much, as much as, like, Earth is fighting its, itself as much. You know, they were fighting yeah, other people. Well, you have the Stark so. War. Yeah, true. But not as much as, like, Earth is. Yeah, you know? no. Earth doesn't know how to unify it unless someone's come and killed the Earth. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, that's why Dormammu is, like, trying to take advantage of this whole uh pro-alliance, you know, because mm-hmm. it's detrimental to people that are feeding off that hatred, mm-hmm. and everything. And feeding off that millennia of violence and and buying, you know, war machina Mm -hmm. and all of that. Like, it's ending so much hate, like negative in the universe. It's bringing so much positive. They're like, oh, no, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, this is this is too good for the universe. And it really is. It, it, yeah, I feel like a lot of comic fans don't understand how impactful Empire was for the Marvel Universe. It ended a millennial war with two of the biggest, you know, entities in space. Mm-hmm. So, Not to go too much of the rant of that. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I
8: want to see
3: what this is
8: all leading to. Yeah. Like, what is Dormammu's endgame? Because we don't like, really know that we yet. We don't
3: know what his games. just
8: kind of started.
3: Yeah. It just kind of came out of the blue because we knew yeah. Doom said something was coming. Yeah. And we're like, okay, an event's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, Dormammu came, and then we do it from there. But we don't know why. Well, they've been
8: building it up since the end of Empire.
3: Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
8: when yeah. they foretold that Abigail Brand says, they're going to need my help yeah
3: yeah but well i want to know how like we know dorama just wants to take a look, but why space now yeah. and probably because of this Little alliance like we just said i get that but what led him to this like who led him to this did he discover on his own like i hope we get an issue where it explains like the backstory yeah. of the last annihilation it might be like a prologue yeah. after the thing ends
8: well because yeah because they even mentioned in the first issue of the second part of the story in issue 13 where the progenitors were around they're like like who told them? Who told the progenators that like there was a new alliance? Who told them that this was all going on yeah. and they randomly showed up to like start experimenting on people? Like there's something else going on in the background, mm. which I want to know what it is. What it is? But Ali Ewing, alley-oing. he's
3: probably yeah. gonna get us to it longer down the line because yeah. he loves doing it. It was hinted that Doom let them. Yeah. it was hinted at I don't believe that's right but it could be because this could be a part of his master plan down the yeah, line Doom is appearing everywhere he is appearing everywhere, and he's in a
8: lot of Krokoan stories, which I find very interesting, mm-hmm. considering the Fantastic Four X Men story that has yeah. happened. So I'm interested to see what role Doom is actually going to be doing the whole thing. If he's, if it's just another thing for him to try
3: to gain control. I feel like it might be that, but I feel like, I, like I we kind of mentioned in our last covers of the Guardians with Krakoa, you know, take over Planet Mars. It's like, well, what can I do? Because I have this country, you know. He's taken over the multiverse before, but like he used so much health. For that. He wants to probably do this on his own without like you know, all of that. So he's like, what else can I do to expand Laveria? So he's like, maybe he wants to try to do that himself, like have his own plan. That might be his long my one. thing is, Doom is always looking out for Doom. Yeah.
8: So there's a, there's a plan in the background. He's always got a plan in the back. For me, I'm wondering if this whole Doom stuff is tying into stuff that Dan Slot's trying to do. Mm. Because in the back of my mind, I'm constantly thinking, Dan Slot and Al Ewing wrote this story yeah. together. They wrote the Empire story mm-hmm. together and they were seeding stories to develop the cosmic space for the future okay Al Ewing is playing off of his part in this so is Dan Saw coming and playing his part off of that I was actually
3: wrong the next one isn't Wakanda the next one is Wiccan and Hopeland the last time I so hopefully that's actually great I can't wait to cover that
8: in a big battle you have to have something to fight for and they're fighting yeah. for each
3: other it's very like double-edged sword <laughs> like I can't think about them but like, I gotta think about them yeah I mean I'm excited to read that next and I hope we get a lot of you know interpersonal relationships with those two because I feel like any more you know depth we can add to those two characters is always a great thing mm-hmm. because there's only so much that we have like they've yeah. had good moments but they won't give us easy. a damn solo they won't give us a solo they've never had a solo yeah. so until we get that we're stuck with these one-shots, which I appreciate, yeah. but... This is the first major
8: thing. Like, King and Black, yeah, that was kind of sort of, like, the first major thing, yeah. but it didn't really involve them as much. Not as much, no. This is the first major one where they're testing mm-hmm. the strength of the Alliance. And is this going to make or break that Alliance? Yeah, and
3: is it going to make or break Hulkling yeah, being... as a, an Emperor. As, as Emperor. Like, is he going to stay? Is he going to step down? If he steps down, who's he going to give it to? Because yeah. I don't know who right. he would give it to. That everyone would his respect and ant, listen. His crazy oh, ant God, that's locked well, up. Well, don't do that. That's the worst. I yeah, do. but there's no one else in line. Yeah, I mean, you no, can appoint someone. I mean, yeah. there's a have to stay in the blood. Yeah, But they probably want that. But they, you know, they're they all about breaking traditions, you know.
8: The one thing I will say about this story, I would like to... I wish the Shi'ar were in it. I do if wish if we saw that, yeah. the Shi'ar Somewhere. fighting in it. Where are they? Because the Shi'ar are so big in other galactic stories. Stories. Like
3: where's Gladiator? Yeah, yeah. Where's Gladiator? Yeah. I'm just like, what's more, Shi'ar and stuff. Yeah, the fact that they're in, the prominently in at least the first Annihilation, and yeah. this is the last Annihilation. Yeah, there might be another one someday.
8: Available. And even in the, in a <laughs> in Cable Reloaded, they talk about Cannonball's wife because she is one of the Imperial Guards. Yeah, she's
3: with the Shi'ar, but we don't get to see that at all. It's interesting. It's like I'm I'm glad we get the Wiccan and Hulkling one shot. I'm glad we're getting Wakanda, but I don't want us to. Forget about other things as well. Like yeah. Chiang. Like, I, I hope we might see them in the next gardens because it's after the next guardians is after Wigan and Hulkling and Wakanda. Yeah. This is a small event. It's like a little mini. It is event, a little mini, yeah. Which is
8: weird because you would think, like, Dormammu invades space and taking over planets would be a
3: huge story. Yeah. You also think that I know Dr. Strange is so supreme over Earth, so whatever. But you'd think this would catch his attention a little bit. Right. But however, we are getting done. Death of Darth Strange, So we don't know if that's happening during this time he <laughs> Yeah, so we, he could be dead already. Or he could be, like, almost dying. Like, he could be preoccupied. Yeah, so. because you would
8: think that Strange would feel a shift in the cosmic force. Yeah, I mean, a freaking like magic
3: pentagram is happening in space with planets. So, like in, in any comic book, there's little qualms that I have, but that doesn't really take away from any of no. the great issues that have happened so far. Probably the great issues that are going to happen. Yeah, and I'm excited to see it because I feel like I think we only have like three more issues of the last. Mm-hmm. Is that the last three? Is last it the Wiccan? I think so. so. Wiccan,
8: Wakanda, and then, and then, then the Guardians, Guardians, and then it's
3: over. I'd i I think so if we're wrong let us know in the comments and And, add us (laughs) and
8: the thing too is like this not last annihilation is that even called last annihilation
3: last annihilation is not on top of it on the on on the issue i'm like if which is interesting this
8: was supposed to be such a major event why isn't like last annihilation everywhere i hope we get a post event comic or issue i I just want to pay off to all of this. Why is it happening? As of right now, it's a solid six for me, event-wise. Like, it doesn't even feel like that
3: big of an event when it should be. Yeah. I'm wondering why. And I feel like it might have gotten, like, toned down a little bit because of past events. Like, we just had Empire last year. We just got out of King of Black. Yeah. We just had the Mutant Hellfire Gala. So they're like, well, this last annihilation—that's cute. That can stay in Sword because you're riding Sword Al Ewing Guardians. And then we can have like a Wakanda, and we can hopefully one shot. But like,
8: the thing is, it should be major though, because okay, a newly formed Guardians, yeah, a newly formed Sword, mm-hmm. a newly formed planet, yeah. and then a newly formed Empire, yeah, it should... Alliance. It should be like big because this is the first time all these things are getting tested. The Alliance, the Guardians.
3: This should be one of all. the biggest things. Things that's happening in Marvel right now, but I feel like again, Cosmic is unfortunately kind of on the back burner mm-hmm. in Marvel. Like it just is. Yeah. They are trying. I feel like Al Ewing's trying to expand it more and get people interested in it more yeah. because it's such it's such good story and it's yeah. such good writing and so many great characters. But a lot of people don't pay attention to it. Yeah. Like, they just, they just don't, you know? It's not some of their favorite, you know, on-Earth characters in it.
8: Well, what's interesting to me is because Ali is really good about tapping into what's happening in other books. He's really good about continuity. He talked about when Moondragon was gone helping Iron Man. Uh. And Moondragon is technically still helping Iron Man in the Iron Man solo by Chris Cantwell. But the High Evolutionary shows up in the Iron Man story. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Iron Man's in space. Why doesn't he? Like, I guess because he's caught up in his own thing with Corvac, but I'm like, those are two things that are happening coincidingly but right I, now. But he's also
3: on a different planet. Yeah, I know it's he's on like, a different planet,
8: but the High Evolutionary picks him up. Yeah, to
3: take him. That's true.
8: To Galactic's home planet.
3: Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's. I do wish this was influencing everything more. Yeah, you know, just it like Empire like did. It feel like it could be grander, but at the same
8: time, you're gonna get the complainers of all oh, tie another ends. another
3: tie-in. Yeah, so. and I'm. A
8: big cosmic event.
3: And I do love tie ins. I'm technically okay with not having tie-ins at this. I mean technically I guess the one shots could be considered tie-ins. But they're still like there's not a Wakanda book. Yeah. There's not a Wakanda Hopeling book. Like so they're on their own.
8: It's like a standalone cosmic event for certain people. Yeah. It's it's kinda like the last Annihilation Conquest. Yeah, that was like like four issues. Yeah, Annihilation the one before this. That was written
3: by Matthew Rosenberg, I believe. Yeah. And that was good, but it was also so short because it was yeah. just like a, its own little thing. Yeah, and it was with the Fantastic Four, which again, I'm really confused why the Fantastic Four don't have a one shot. Yeah, like I understand the Avengers not coming. Please that, don't bring out the Avengers. That's fine. We have Guardians. I love the Avengers. I'm not the Fantastic I it, but... Four would really be good in this story. It's Dormammu too. So like, yeah, they fight Dormammu. So and I I
8: think it's just because well Dan Saw can't write fast enough, yeah. and because he's got his own story he's trying to tell. Yeah, it went coinciding busy. with this, and I don't think. His his doom story would line up with this.
3: It's lining up a little bit. At least Al Ewing is tr- is
8: kind of doing yeah, it. Yeah, Al Ewing places. is doing it. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. when he had that sit down dinner with Storm, Storm yeah, mentioned
3: the wedding. The, the wedding. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we're we're you know nitpicking just because yeah. the story is so good that we can want to make it even better. Yeah. You know, you but, can like something and still be critical. Yeah, you can still do constructive criticism. Yeah. It doesn't mean we don't like it because if we didn't like it, we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. Because so I don't like to talk about things yeah. I don't like. Yeah. I rather just skip over. It. Sure. But what? Well, what? What are our final little, little things for this 17 Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, did you, my, my final thing was I really enjoyed the interpersonal relationships that we had when they were all meeting and like Mm -hmm. the talk with like, do we trust him? Do we not? And little quips and little banter that was going on. I feel like that's the key thing to any group really, especially the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's fun. That's what made the Guardians of the Galaxy movie so fun. Yeah, but also that big reveal of Dormammu having the ego big plant body. Now that is yeah. mm, fantastic, and good job for the artists. You know Juan and Frederico, they are amazing, and I applaud them for that because that is that looks really cool.
8: Yeah, I I really enjoy this issue. It started off really well with them getting together and talking about okay, what could be happening? Like they're they're piecing together uh, Dormammu's game plan. Like uh, of course Doom figures it out. Out and he's like oh this is what's happening guys and this is what we gotta do if we're trying to stop it like it or not this is a plan no, and that, right. that's where you know <laughs> it adds stakes to it with the team of like who do we trust where do you draw the lines how are we going to do this as a team when we don't trust each other fully and I like that Starlord was like you know what I understand where you're coming from Rich and actually Gamora was the first one that was like okay I get it Rich I'm yeah. gonna go with you mm-hmm. I'm gonna help you out and then Starlord was like okay yes, I'll, I'll go with you as well. Yeah. So that was really nice of them to do that. And they did a good job again with Quasar, you know, switching between bodies. When one would get tired, the other one would come out. It was really cool because they were like tapping and tap out. Yeah, they
3: just need like 20 minutes or something they said. Yeah, to and then, Yeah, and then they can be at full power. And I thought yeah. that was really cool. That I'm glad cool. Al Yuen is like slowly explaining that relationship yeah. more. And I, I dig it. I'm cool oh, yeah. with that
8: whole I love it. like two people being one character. That was really rad. Mm-hmm. And I love the callbacks that he did to his Ultimates run with Eternity Watch. Yeah, that was a really cool callback. And then seeing the last page was rad. I can't wait to see them trying to shoot him with a gun. Yeah, that's a big gonna be
3: giant space I gun. hope we get Rocket controlling it because it was his idea. Yeah, I mean, Doom helped. Everybody helped. But it was like his main, I feel like, idea. At least that's what I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna give it to him as his main idea. And I hope that we see him control it and then fire it and then like kill, quote unquote, Dormammu. <laughs> or defeat him or whatever. The thing Two is is the Mysterium gonna be able to affect them? I think it will because I think they're gonna put also magic in it because Doom like is yeah. also part of it and it's all magic so it's like and I think that I think that metal kind of disrupts magic a little bit. That's what I'm
8: trying to wonder because we don't know too much about the, the name's Mysterium. We yeah. don't know much
3: but about it, also, metal. it comes from the hot room so I'm a, I have a feeling yeah. that it disrupts a magic. Yeah. A
0: feeling
3: that it disrupts magic. Yeah. So but yeah alright well we're gonna see what's coming up next when we read it yeah so thank y'all so much for tuning in and listening to us talk about the space cosmic go read it Mm -hmm. so Marvel can give us more so Mm -hmm. you know it's not in the back burner not that it technically is but people mm -hmm. remember when you want representation this comics representation it's queers in space yeah it's all the
8: gays in space Mm -hmm. Uh, and mm -hmm. we're gonna get more with the next whole clean and Wiccan issue getting more gays in space so so Support it. Support Ali Owen. He's part of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yeah, and he cares about these queer characters. Yeah, he
3: really genuinely cares. He gives them actual depth and yeah. story. So I appreciate it. They're not just stereotypes. So. Love it. Love it.